Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Everyone and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman on vacation. Danny Mac in for Michelle. Randy Carriker with you. It's 7:01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning, Rando. How we doing? I'm doing great. Excited about a day of sports. We've got Billiken basketball yeah. tonight. They're at LaSalle, 6 o'clock. Billiken's at 16-6, and six, an opportunity to win their sixth in a row. Need to win these games. This is a winnable game. LaSalle is uh, very down this year. 7-13. and 13. Yeah, the next four games, you got two at LaSalle, LaSalle two at St. Bonaventure, and then... You got the Bonnies, you got LaSalle, and then you got Davidson. So win these four, take care of business, and you should have yourself in a position to at least be in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. And M-I-Z-Z-O-U, 9-13 and 13 on the season, mm. is at 12-10 and 10 mm. Vandy. So at least the Tigers, eh, they may or may not get to 500 this year, probably not, but at least they get to spend a night in Nashville. This was the uh, game that I thought would be their first win since early December. <laughs> and then I they, had, they beat A&M? Yeah. I, I had them losing uh, in January. I thought, okay, they're going to win the Vanderbilt game. That'll be their conference win. And then that'll be the uh, end of that season and we move on. But they've they've played better against certain teams in terms of, you know, these one-point losses to Florida and a one-point loss to Auburn. But the bottom line is, did you do it or didn't you? Right? Mm-hmm. You do or you right. don't. And they have That's haven't. what sports is. Yeah. And they haven't. So should take care of business tonight. They should win that game. There is news on the baseball front. Secretary of Labor awesome. Marty Walsh, according to The Athletic, offered his assistance to oh. Major League Baseball and the Players Association after the two si- as the two sides work on a new CBA. Uh, Marty Walsh saying, quote, I've spoken to both the MLBPA and MLB about the ongoing contract negotiations and encouraged both sides to continue engagement. He said, like any contract negotiation in any industry, I stand ready to help facilitate productive conversations yes. that result in the best outcome for workers and employers. We are under a week away from the uh, players supposedly reporting to spring training, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not going to happen. How many unions do you think that Marty Walsh Marty calls up involved with where the average salary is $4 million a year? Probably not many, uh, <laughs> and probably not calling many to say, hey, I'm ready to step in. Exactly um, right. I don't think that's happening. It is a big week, though, for baseball and a big couple of days because the owner meetings are today, tomorrow. I believe they conclude on Thursday, and at that point, it is anticipated that they will have another counter offer to the Players Association try to get the ball rolling i i still go back to this randy i think that if it's not done by march 1st or 2nd then the start of the season just 
just look at it. I mean, you need to have spring training. You got to have time to get guys ready. It's probably in jeopardy. And I'm sure that that for me, and I would imagine in the back of the minds of many involved in this negotiation is probably the drop dead date to get this thing done to say, can we have a normal 162 game season the players want 162 yeah. and i would go a step further in suggesting that if we don't have something by march 1st as you just said that the owners if they don't think they're going to get 162 in might just say okay let's just crush them like they did a couple of years ago when they got their 60 games during the pandemic to hell with the season let's let's just crush them and get our way and then you're crushing your sport yep you are don't you think yes i do and yeah. uh, it's unfortunate that that would happen and that scenario and I've, I've heard you know people come to me and said well in april you got cold weather and um you know the crowds aren't as great across the country that doesn't matter. doesn't matter you have to have a season you have to have what is a normal full season in the eyes of those that support your sport i'm with you so whether you got fifteen thousand or fifty thousand in there you're playing the games and that's what people want Football news, Dan. After the 2000 season, the Rams fired their defensive coordinator, Peter Junta, and Mike Martz hired Lovey Smith. And I met Lovey, this is 22 years ago now, and within 30 seconds, I told myself, this guy's going to be a head coach in the NFL. He's just got that charisma, that it factor. And he won a lot of games, had four double-digit win seasons with the Bears, took them to a Super Bowl, goes 2-14 and 14 in his first year with a really down Tampa franchise. Then they draft Jameis Winston, and he goes 6-10, and 10 and they're on an upward trajectory, and they fire Lovey. And yesterday, he was named as the head coach of the dumpster fire that is the Houston Ooh. Texans. If there's anybody that can at least, I'm not saying he's going to win, but at least he can get the organization thinking in the right direction, it's Lovey Smith. Yeah, and I I think a lot of people on the outside are saying, why would you hire Lovey, especially when he gets fired, even though he had a 10-win campaign his final season in Chicago. But then you look at what he did, as you mentioned, the numbers in Tampa. He was okay at Illinois, wasn't great. It was, But that's a tough, in my opinion, that's a tough Tough job job. um, in trying to do that in the Big Ten. But he had, uh, by the end, he, he had it going a little bit. Um, I, I'm with you. I think you're, you're getting a guy that comes with zero baggage, really. I mean, there's nothing no. you hear about Lovey Smith in a negative way. He's a g- really great person. So you're getting him to kind of right the ship, and you're right. It has been dysfunctional in Houston. Yep. He's probably the right guy to do this. Now, whether you win or lose, and again, it comes down to wins or losses, just get it going in the right direction. And some stability. I hope that Lovey, at this stage of his career, he's 63, is willing to take a CEO approach. And I really believe, in talking to coaches around the league and former coaches, that the Tampa 2 defense just doesn't work anymore. No. What Tony Dungy did, what Lovey did with so much success, it just doesn't work anymore. You have to have so many multiple looks. And I hope that Lovey can evolve and understand that defense is different now than it was 15 years ago when he was going to the Super Bowl. Switching gears here, it's a great text. 636, who has had their reputation as commissioner tarnished more, Manfred or Goodell? I would say that Manfred has. Well, I guess this will be the the telltale of that, the, you know, I... I Put it incomplete with him, and since we're in St. Louis and you got Roger Goodell and $790 million coming back the other way, maybe it's Goodell for St. Louisans, but if you don't have a season or start of a season or this continues mm-hmm. to go in a poor direction, Manfred is closing and closing in a hurry. Right. And I think with Goodell, he 
A, has made money for his owners, and anybody who observes the league from any distance at all is aware that he's got a shadow commissioner in Jerry Jones. Sure. Rob Manfred's doing his own screwing up. At least Goodell has an accomplice or somebody backing him to screw his league up. How could you say it's a piece of metal when you're awarding the world championship <laughs> trophy? Yeah. Um, I- I'm with you, and I... This is going to be an interesting week, man, because yeah. I, I I think we're going to start hearing what well, we already have. I mean, Ben Fred wrote about it in the, the Post-Dispatch. I actually talked to Ben all the time, and we were talking a little bit about this, but you you and Michelle had asked me, like, time frames and stuff, and I said, well, I said, when you get to the end of the Super Bowl, at that point, start to get real squirmy in my seat, you know, get uneasy. But then at that point, you're going to start to hear some of the things mm-hmm. coming out. It's going to get nasty again. Yeah. And they've asked everybody to stay quiet, but there's only so so long that that's going to last. Mm-hmm. And and guys are going to get frustrated, and we're starting to see some of that stuff. One other coaching hiring in the NFL last night. The Saints promoted Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator, to replace Sean Payton. Video surveillance shows Saints running back Alvin Kamara did indeed punch a man approximately eight times before his associates proceeded to stomp on him several more times on the ground in Las Vegas Casino on Saturday morning, according to the police report from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. So it was Saturday. He didn't actually beat the guy right before the Pro Bowl. It was on Saturday that he and his associates punched and stomped on a man. What time was that on Saturday? Was that right before midnight, maybe, you think? And then Saturday it... morning. Oh, so okay. So I'm guessing so that Friday he night. probably yeah, slept in probably till 10, 1030. Got a little frustrated with the guy after brunch. Maybe this occurred at 1130 in the morning or something like okay. that. Okay. Uh, Usually that's when you're out with your associates if you're an NFL player. All right. Were the associates carrying like briefcases and three-piece suits? You made him sound like business associates here. Well, that's what I'm assuming. That's what it said. Okay. All right. I just had to get a clarification. And last night, Tom Brady, Dan, did his last Let's Go show of the season on Sirius XM. And obviously, before this show, in the interim between last week and this week, he announced his retirement and reflected on his great memories of playing. What a blessing for me to have that experience and several others along the way. You know, when I wrote something on my social this week, in my retirement post about playing for the playing for the name on the back of your jersey, which is your family, and the name on the front of your jersey, which is your team. And, you know, you carry all those people with you when you experience the highest of highs and, unfortunately, some really low points too, but they all make you stronger in the end. And when I look back over the course of my career, I just have nothing but the best memories of the sport, and I'm just very grateful to all the people who helped me along the way. And – Brady was asked if this retirement was because at the age of 44, he just can't handle the physical nature of the sport anymore. And it hurts a lot more now than it did when I was 26. No, Jim, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it's, you know, a physical thing. I mean, it does require a lot of time and energy. You know, that's just the nature of football. And if you want to be good at it, you got to commit all the time and energy you can to it. I always think the Kentucky Derby a lot so I look at those horses and they have the blinders on and you literally are just running full speed as fast as you can um, you know for basically the entire season and there's no time to look right or left and there's a lot of things that are happening in your life that because you don't look right or left you're still looking straight ahead that you miss some things you know there just comes a time for all of us where we got to decide you know what we want to look going forward.
And Brady was asked if there was a possibility of a comeback. He said, you never say never. At the same time, I know that I'm very, very comfortable with my decision. There's no question he's going to be asked to come back. Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to ask him. Team gets on, uh, you know, they, they try to get Drew Brees back this right. year out of the yep. booth. So that's going to happen. Um, let me give you these numbers, Randy, and I bet you probably know them off the top of your head. But just for our listeners, just to kind of to put it in perspective how good he was. So he had 14 starts in a conference championship game. 14. So the last two decades, we were watching Tom Brady two-thirds of the time on that Sunday, a doubleheader. The Wikipedia page for the AFC championship game said the AFC championship game is a game played annually between the New England Patriots and another team <laughs> from the American Football Conference of the NFC of the NFL. He had 35 <laughs> postseason wins, so 35 playoff wins. I mean, we in town never saw the Cardinals win a playoff game, if you like the big red. Yeah, he had right. 35 of him under center. Uh, 10 wins in those 14 games that he played in a conference title game. Appeared in 10 Super Bowls, won seven. He won five Super Bowl MVPs, 243 regular season wins as a QB. They play a 16 and then a 17-game regular season. And then an 18. Well, no, it was 17. So... I mean, think about that. We he, had the the NFL for 49 years in St. Louis, 28 years with the Cardinals, 21 with the Rams. He lost more Super Bowls than we played in in 40, 49 years. I wonder if you look, we need to look at this, the total record of the Cardinals and the Rams in town, how many wins they had combined. So he was under 200, he was under center for 243 regular season yeah. wins. Yeah, we, we probably did not have that many. Think about that. Yeah, Well, no, because the Rams had... They had over 100. So in 28 years, the Cardinals would have had. It be pretty close. It's going to be close. Yep, it is. That's amazing. That's, that's a pretty good question, I think. Did he have more wins than we had in St. Louis? He he may have. That's unbelievable. <laughs> that's crazy. So I was just doing some of those numbers, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Yep. I thought I should bring it up this morning. But anyway. <laughs> that's Dan. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Hey, Major League Baseball, according to ESPN and the AP, has stopped testing players for steroids. Should they permanently stop testing playing you players for steroids? You brought this up, and I thought you're out of your mind, but this is going to be kind of fun. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac and Randy on 101 ESPN and Major League Baseball has stopped testing players for steroids for the first time in nearly 20 years due to the expiration of the sports drug agreement. That's according to two people familiar with the jug, dr- joint drug program and VAP. The people spoke on the condition of anonymity. So, Dan, at the moment, if a player wants to take steroids, He's not going to be tested for them. Now, when we have a new basic agreement, he very well could be tested for them. I would assume that's coming in. That being the case, with where baseball is right now, with the issues that they're dealing with from a labor perspective, last time we had a problem (laughs) with labor in 1994, what was it that brought us back? It was steroids. Okay. I'm going to say... That was part of it. But you know what I think was the first thing that really brought us back, and uh, I mean this sincerely, was the uh, the draw, the attention, the way that Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's streak made you feel. 
That was the first thing. You and don't play 2,400 games in a row without helpers. Oh, okay. Well, I, <laughs> well, I he, he, at the very least, there were amphetamines involved there. Okay, so I don't know. I, I couldn't make that statement. All I know is that the sentimentality of that night brought a lot of people back, mm-hmm. made them feel good about the game again. So that was the first step. And then you had, as you mentioned, the home runs, the power, Sosa, McGuire. Uh, the problem would be if you kept stare. First of all, it's illegal. Let's let's say that hey, yeah, you shouldn't be doing it. It's bad for your body. We clearly know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so don't do it. But secondly, is um, I think if you had a guy, if they said, hey, it, t- today we've got an agreement and we couldn't come up with a joint drug policy to ban, uh, you know, substances, PEDs from the game, and some guy goes out and hits forty five next year. Are you what you're watching? Is it authentic after the guy hit 12 the year before? Mm-hmm. And people would have a problem with that. I also think it'd be unfair to players that come out and uh, say, you know, I, I did, I, I worked on some things, I changed my swing path, I did this and that and the other, and maybe they did do it clean. And all of a sudden, you can't trust them. So you you have to be able to believe in what you're watching. In my is what I'm trying to say. You, you've got to believe that teams are trying their best to win and not throw games for the integrity of the game, certainly the integrity of betting that's out there. But also, I think for fans, you want to know that they're, they're, everybody's on an equal playing field, and that's important. But I understand your entertainment value of yep. trying to bring people back to the yeah. ballpark. Hey, let's just hit a bunch of home runs yeah. and see what happens. And I by get the way, they, they already do hit a lot of home runs. But they could at least hit the 545-footers off of the post-dispatch side in center field. I remember you and I, in 98, we were working at KMOX, and it was the all-star break, and we were asked to put together a Mark McGuire halfway to, you know, Maris-type thing. And I went and did a a piece with um, his personal pitching coach, which was the first base coach, Dave McKay. And, and Dave talked about so many people coming to the ballpark to watch batting practice. And you remember it, Randy, playing his day. It was like 20, 25,000. They'd open up the ballpark mm-hmm. early. Concessions were opened early to watch this man hit BP. And he said, it's the most nervous I've ever been on a baseball field because right. the, the, it was a stage. It was a sideshow. And, and that's what you're talking about. You're trying to engage people to become, there's got to be something to come back to the ballpark. Um, and that is to the greater question, I think, right now, of what's going on with baseball. Certainly, there's the monetary issue uh, issues that they have of trying to figure out how to divvy up the money, and and we, we'll go into the weeds of that about 8 o'clock. But what are we doing to improve the product? Like, if you don't want to talk about the core economic issues right now, yeah. I'm fine with that. You know, you're, I, I wish you would get in a room and just lock in a room and order room service and sleep there and figure it out. I get that. But what are we doing when we come out of this to improve the product? What are we doing to make sure that this is the best game we are possibly putting on as an entertainment value? Because last year, the average game was three hours and 11 minutes. And I wonder if the powers that be at the moment in front offices in Major League Baseball understand that the product is not entertaining. Because there are a bunch of... Ivy League educated math fans, which is fine. They, they can be math fans. But as has been noted on many occasions, they have developed a device by which they can win baseball games based on their calculators. And 
there are three true outcomes. And you get home runs, you get walks, you get strikeouts. Well, nobody buys a ticket to go to the ballpark to see a walk or a strikeout. And that's what we have now. And until that is put aside, until those analytics are put aside, you're going to have a pretty boring product. I I thought it was really... admire Theo Epstein for coming out and saying, I was part of the problem. You know, when he goes to work for Major League Baseball, he said, look, I I was the guy doing exactly what Randy is saying. I'm the guy getting the the guy that's going to either hit a home run or hit for power or strike out, and we lived with it. It was fine. We were okay with it, but we built our team to do that. This is what the numbers were saying to do mm-hmm. to build the best team that we could to win. And it worked. And it worked, and he won. And he said, but now as I reflect, I'm paraphrasing, but now as he reflects, he's saying, hey, that's not for the entertainment value of the fan. Did we win? Of course we won, and that was a good thing for us. But was it the best thing for the sport? He said, and I'm part of the blame. Because I'm one of the guys who figured out how to do this. Yeah. And and that's not good. No. And, and every team has an analytics department and is spending a lot of money on analytics. Want to get to a couple of texts here. This one from the 636. If PEDs aren't bad, then why don't we all take them like vitamins? <laughs> if you go to a doctor, if you have a primary doctor and you have an illness, if you have psoriasis, if you have a, a degenerative nerve condition, they're going to give you steroids. Yeah, you go on a steroid pack for yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that you go on steroids for a full cycle and then cycle off. Hey, by the way... I, but if used responsibly... And especially if administered by a physician, steroids are very helpful to society. Uh, this this was never answered for me, and um, I think I'm right with this, Randy, and maybe you can help me out. Maybe one of the textures knows. But during 2020, so when we're trying to come back for baseball, and baseball, one of the first sports back, was that I don't think, and I could be very wrong about this, so I, I'm just I'm curious – um, the testing lab that they had for, for coronavirus, for COVID-19, was in Utah, Utah. And that was also the lab that they did the testing for steroids and so, or for performance-enhancing drugs. I think players were not tested that year. Like that, that is accurate. So it was like a two-month, you know, obviously a two-month um, regular season. Then we had our postseason run. And essentially, they, they just said, look, we got to— be safer with the COVID-19 stuff and test for coronavirus as opposed to testing for PEDs. So I think that that was off. And then last year, I want to say it was back on, but remember there was testing happening all the time in Major League Baseball. So I'm not sure if it ever went back to that. Um, I don't think we saw really crazy numbers last year that would jump out. Is there anything that jumped out to you last year that you would have said, well, that was Brady Anderson going from 10 home runs to 45 or whatever it was. You know, it wasn't like that. And you had – that was the the thing with the steroid era in, in thinking about that and reflecting on it. And I've done a lot of thinking about it of players that I watched because I was doing games in that era of thinking, yeah, Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, it was pretty clear. These guys are hitting it 550 feet. But then you would see some second baseman that was, you know, 190 pounds getting 25 home runs. And you're like, what's going on here? You know, that, that was weird. And then seeing pitchers – Eric Gagne, all of a sudden he's he's a, a meddling starter, can't really figure his mm-hmm. career out, no traction. Okay, let's put him in the bullpen, let him max effort, and he's throwing 100 with just nasty stuff. 
So when you you know when you see those kind of things, it wasn't just the big guys, and they're the ones that get the blame. Don't get me wrong, but man, there's a lot of other guys that were doing this stuff. And by the way, Dan, that uh, that second baseman was hitting 37 home runs and driving in well, 141 true. for the Mariners. Uh, that's Dan. I'm Randy. That would be Robinson Cano. <laughs> that I think you're thinking of. No. Oh, here's another one. Oh, that would be uh, Boone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's another Mariner guy yeah. that came along, and then he got <laughs> popped for the second time and had to sit out a full year. He's with the Mets and comes back this year, and that's Robinson Cano. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't. They, they what, had I some mean, at second base. What would bring? So let's just say, Randy. I, I know we, we we're, yeah. we're up against. No, it. let's answer this. Uh, I, I am curious because you're very bright with this stuff, and you think outside the box, and Matt too. I I just love the game so much. Um, that I love it, good, bad, and different, right? I, I just love the game, but I'm not the casual fan. I'm a diehard. Whether I was doing what I'm doing or the, as an announcer or just watching, the, I love baseball. I love it. So I would ask, what, what would if they have a shutdown, what's going to bring you back? Is there something in the game that you want to see that you say, yep, that I'm in. I'm mad, but yep, I'm buying my ticket because I'm coming back because I love the game. I, to me, you understand my question. Yeah, there are three things they can do where they don't have to go to the union at all. Two of them are obvious: call the strike zone from the armpit. It's but but is that going to bring you back? Is that going to buy, buy you a ticket because they said I changed the strike the game zone? Game is going to get more exciting if they call the strike zone. If they call the twelve seconds between pitches, I'm with you there. I think it has to be done when, yes. the, when the bases aren't occupied. And then the other thing that they can do, they started it last year. Dejuice the ball. If if you've got all these analytics people saying, well, we're going to score home runs by hitting home or score runs by hitting home runs, make it difficult to hit home runs and make players use their athleticism. That's what made baseball exciting for us in the '80s. That's what made baseball. That's why the Reds were able to win a World Series in 1990, right? Against yeah, the, because start to finish, yeah. And Lou Pinella advocated that style of play. Make it more difficult for the analytics people to win. I like that statement. That's a good way to put it. Make yeah. it more difficult for the analytics people to win. Yeah. I wonder if there would be any owner. I have thought about this. I know we're up against it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I have thought, would any owner say to uh, a president of baseball operations and a GM, guys, you have, let's say, a six- to eight-year contract, ironclad, you will not be fired. You mm-hmm. will not be fired. But I'm going to give you a six- to eight-year run, and I want you to build this with jackrabbits out there, uh, guys that throw strikes. I don't care if they throw 100, but they got to throw strikes. They got to move the ball. And and I'm sure there's baseball people out there going, Dan, you're out of your mind. You're going to go 0 and 162. I get it. No, they're wrong. And I and find me guys that and and teach. We're gonna we're gonna implement from a ball all the way up. Bunting, hit and run, hit behind. We're and we're gonna we're gonna pay. We're gonna incentivize our players to play the game that way. So you move a runner. And you give yourself up, and we understand that that means it's going to hurt your personal numbers, but we're going to incentivize that, incentivize that with X amount of dollars. Dan, the, the Cardinals were built ideally for what you're talking about. For sure now, they you were. need middle of the lineup guys, and you have Arenado, you have O'Neill, you have Goldie. But if you have speed, Tommy Edmond at the top of the lineup, and you have speed, Harrison Bader at the bottom Tyler of O'Neal. the lineup, and you have athletes that can play defense, in baseball now, 
if you play great defense, the other team is going to lose it. That game against the Cubs on that Saturday afternoon, ah. Cubs lost that game. The Cardinals didn't have to win it because the Cubs lost it. They ran into a loss. And pretty much every other team is going to do that if you build your team to not make mistakes. By the way, have you seen a crazier double play than that ever in no. your time of watching baseball? No. Me neither. Yeah. I mean, look at the Cubs win the Javi Baez play. Oh, which against people Pittsburgh. Give, people give Baez credit for that. They didn't know how to play the game. The, the pirate, Pirates. The first baseman who I think he moved to Japan now. He's playing I over think there. he is too. Uh, but he, he didn't know how to play the game. All he had to do was take a step back and step on first base. He had no clue. And the Pirates gave that away. It wasn't Javi Baez taking it. It was the Pirates giving it. Lou Brock and Keith Hernandez made me big baseball fans. I mm. loved watching them as a kid. I fell in love with the sport with Whitey Ball. Yeah, me too. I did. And that was my introduction, because I don't remember 1968. I was like six years old when that happened. I, I turned to six years old that summer. So I don't remember that. But I was an usher when Whitey got here, right mm -hmm. after he got here. And that was my introduction to good baseball. I watched the 70s. I remember the 70s. But my introduction to really good baseball was, was Whitey Ball. The best. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Super Bowl is Sunday. And... We're going to have an epic halftime show. But what would your ideal <laughs> Super Bowl halftime show be? Matt has a great answer here. Dan has an idea. We want your text, 65780. What's your ideal Super Bowl halftime show? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan, the late, great Jim Hannafin used to say to me when he would uh, go scout an offensive lineman, he's got a great punch, Randy. He's, he, he's got a great punch there. I don't know if Hanny... He's smoking, too, by yeah, the way. For... Yeah. I, I don't know if Hanny actually scouted Alvin Kamara. <laughs> but clearly, he's got a, a great punch. We've got uh, Super Bowl 56. I gotta tell you, Randy. <laughs> That's awesome. He was the best. He was. Uh, he liked me because I was an Irishman. Oh yeah! So I, we were we were kindred spirits from the get go. I can tell you that uh, the reason. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the reason that Coach Vermeil likes me as much as he does, he loves is, you, is because Coach Hannafin took me to every member of that staff. He had the, uh, so Vermeil had the five former head coaches. Oh on his yeah, staff. and Hanny would walk. He walked me around the building when he got hired, and he said, "Hey." Uh, Take care of Randy. I've known him since he was this tall. He put his hand on like with three feet tall. He said, take, take care of Randy. So all of those That's guys awesome. took care of me. All right. Your favorite halftime show for the Super Bowl. I love this text right off the bat from the 636. Forget the music. Give me Cronky versus a hungry lion Roman Empire style. <laughs> You're going naked gun with the center fielder going yeah, out to catch right, the fly right. ball. And there's a lion that comes yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. So my all-timer, Dan, would have been uh, Chuck Berry. Oh, yeah. If we could have had him do a halftime. But, you know, and I didn't get a chance to see the Stones here in St. Louis. I did. Did you? Yeah, I did. Not not at the Dome. I saw him at uh, at Enterprise. Uh, yeah, I was talking about the last time. I've seen him several times. Okay, okay. But I, I believe that right now the Stones would be a great halftime show. They would be great. Uh, do you know Chuck Berry? He'd be down at Blueberry Hill. And he would not go on the air until the Cardinal or on the uh, on the you know on dais stage? on stage whatever until a Cardinal game was was over. Isn't that something? He came in. He it was Chuck Berry night at the ballpark, and I went in. They said, "Hey, would you like to meet Chuck Berry?" He's down in the booth, a couple of booths over. And I said, 
well, yeah, I'd love to meet Chuck Berry. And I walk in. And he says, man, I can't get on stage until you're done yapping. Because he said something <laughs> like that. And I said, oh, really? And he said, and the, his handlers were there or whatever, mm-hmm. his family. And they said, yeah, Chuck won't go on until the game is off TV, and he, until the final out. Then he'll go on stage and he'll perform, which is pretty awesome. That's awesome. Um, I'm kind of going down the same uh, road that you are here, Randy. My idea was, okay, if you were watching, I think it was in... Help me out here, guys. But when the fan came on the field and was smoked by uh, Mike Curtis, uh, was it with the with the Bills? So was it was it the Bills? Oh, a couple the, weeks ago. Yeah. No, yeah. that was a uh, Diggs. Diggs uh, Stephon Diggs. Yeah. So my thing is, so you want to be an NFL player, and subsequently you think you are as tough as an NFLer and can outrun them. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what kind of start they get. But any of the NFL players, you know, preferably uh, defensive backs, Mm -hmm. okay, that are not in the Super Bowl, will give them a nice payday. But the fan gets to, you know, he thinks or she, oh, I can outrun these people. Look, I'm a fan. I'm crazy. I'll go on the field. No problem. We'll let you do it. But you'll go against a NFL player. Elvin Kamara. There you go. And I think that you'll get a yard sale because you're going to get smoked and body parts will be flying. And th- And I think people would love to see yeah, that. I love this idea. Randy, okay. Talvin Kamar, do you by chance have a second round uh, of this little, uh, maybe a, uh, a biathlon of sorts where you then have to fight Alvin Kamara? And maybe seven yeah, of that'd his, be great. Maybe seven of his associates <laughs> if you lose. Yeah. So, And then my music performance. Mm-hmm. The way I would do it, I would go, so we're going living or? Yeah, uh, living or dead. Yeah, or so, both. We could I, like I took a dead end of living. Okay, kind so of living. I'm going like uh, I'm going to go to the past and then to the future and then to the past. So I would have had the Beatles start with a song, which then leads into Ray Charles, which then goes into Prince and Purple Rain, and they bring in Rain to drop on him. Nice. It then goes to Billy Joel, and it ends with Snoop. I'm disappointed that Tremendous. you don't think that God would once again just start letting it rain when Prince starts playing, much like it did when he played the first time. I still think that's the best one. Just put faith, that was great. Put faith in the universe. Yeah. yeah. All right, Maybe Matthew so. Rocchio, you've got a an ideal halftime show. Yeah, they, they, they're they taking it. They're they're, do, they're doing it in a Super Bowl that I don't really want to watch. It's, it's just about the closest I could get to maybe one of my ideal halftime shows. If I was going just straight hip-hop, rap kind of, kind of feel to it, um, they have my favorite... Uh, artist growing up, or one of my favorite artists growing up, Stoop Dog, Eminem, Dr. Dre, and then uh, Kendrick Lamar is one of my current favorite artists. But if I had to go with a little bit more old school, P- Prince undoubtedly opens. Uh, I get Elton John in there to play a, t- a song yeah, or two. Yeah, I needed Elton in mine too. Elton John is a song mm-hmm. or two, and I don't know. Just, just ha- have some fun with it. Get Earth, Wind, and Fire going in there for a song. Yeah. Bring in Phil Collins. Let him, let him jam out on the drums for one. I just, I just want a medley of just like every kind of music that just you know is fun to listen to. I think you could, you could put together just an incredible one right there. So that'll be my four. I'll, I'll go with a four-person one right there. Prince, Elton John, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Phil Collins. Well done. Nice. From the six three six, Led Zeppelin. They would only have time for one song. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But can yeah. you imagine the opening? I've seen Elton John, by the way, a ton. Mm I've seen him out in Vegas, seen him in St. Louis. Saw him in Chicago. Saw him in Boston. He's awesome. He's still great. Mm. And he's, you know, 102 years old. From the 636 Queen in their prime. That would have been great. That would have been good. 
the stadium. They still or? think that the uh, I, I I don't know if it was Live Aid guys, but it was when it was in uh, Wembley Stadium. Yeah, they say, yeah, the Live Aid one. They say that that's the best twenty-five to twenty-seven minutes ever live wow. was when Queen stepped on the stage there. And if you haven't seen it, Google it. It's our YouTube, and it's phenomenal. And it's the end of the movie too. Yes, the Queen movie, which yeah, is Freddie Mercury just controls the crowd. Yeah. Ideal halftime show, NFL owners in a dunking tank. Maybe make it a Manning cast where Eli and Peyton discuss the owners before throwing a football at the target. Uh, from the 314 for halftime, I'd like to see an evil Knievel-style motorcycle jump show. Wow. People, we went music. Everyone Those else went tough to watch, gladiatorial though. games. I guess you went a little gladiatorial as well. What do you mean? You just you have them you're having people race. You know you're, you're doing oh, like yeah, pros yeah. Joe's games as well as a, well, a that, show. You're right. I mean, somebody brought up Steve Atwater or Troy Palomalo being the guys that chase him down, and then they could get up and just start screaming, "Are you not entertained?" Would be pretty good. Yeah, It'd be great. Roger Goodell's up there with his with his thumb with his thumb sideways. Either you're right. Dropping, either puts it up. Or somebody down. throws a sword at their box. <laughs> hey, coming up here on Carriker and Smallman, minus Smallman, Danny Mac, Matt Rocchio, Randy Carriker. We are going to play Take It or Leave It. Get your Text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Matt Rocchio is here. Danny Mack, Randy Carricker. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Dan, did you see that Kyler Murray has removed all references to the Arizona Cardinals? Yes. From his Instagram and Twitter accounts. Even took off any photos of him wearing Cardinals gear. Take it or leave it. This is officially the way to break up in 2022 is by just removing everybody from your social media. Not everybody, but whoever you want to disassociate yourself with. I think there's no doubt about it. I'll take that like, because it, you do it with your personal relationships, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, Kim and, and some of the folks that you follow on Insta that you love to get into it, you're deep into the woods uh, weeds on that stuff in, oh. in the weekends. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Not but, at night, though. You're studying for the show. I'm, I'm getting ready for the show, but I'll tell you this. If ever there came a point where I would drop 101 ESPN off of my Twitter and off of my Insta, <laughs> I think people would know that I was just really you're unhappy done. with the way things were going. So Murray, by the way, it's he's entering the final year of his rookie contract. He's going to make $5.4 million which is 22nd among NFL quarterbacks. And the Cardinals do have a fifth-year option for him. So probably means he wants a new deal. So instead of coming out and saying, boy, I'd really like to negotiate my new, new, my new deal that I think I've richly deserved, I'm done with you and I'm putting you off of my Insta. <laughs> That's how you do it now, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, take it or leave it. The Pro Bowl should no longer be in existence. Take it. Yeah, yeah. Just have a just banquet done with to it. honor your, your the Pro Bowl players. Now, I'm sure the NFL and its partners are going to say no, 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 Dan, because we make a lot of money off said football game, touch football game. Mm-hmm. I get it, but from the viewing experience of a fan or a sports fan out there, uh, it's just bad football. People bet on it though. Well, you better not bet the under. No, never, never bet the under in the Pro Bowl. No, sir. 
I wonder what the over-under was. Text in 65780 if you bet the over-under on the Pro Bowl. Because I'll bet you the pro for the Pro Bowl, the over-under is probably about 90. I was going to say 80. Yeah. Just, I would figure like 40 to 35 or something, you know, mm-hmm. 42, 35, something like that. If you're going to have someone the players have to be there, just do skills competitions for an entire day. I I'll, I, I still remember Larry Allen winning like a, a bench press contest yeah. between all the offensive linemen in like 05 better than I do any of the actual Pro Bowl so, games. So just take what you're doing. You know, Micah Parsons outrunning Tyreek Hill in a, in a 40-yard dash. I kind of like that That idea. was good content. You know, so or Kirk Cousins the... not being able to throw a ball accurately at a target despite the fact that he's an NFL quarterback making $20 million. That's amazing content. I want that, and I want more of it. What's the show, Randy, that was on ABC? Uh, Superstars. Yeah. So make it like that. Yeah, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just do everything. All right, Matthew, what do we have on the text line? Uh, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Let's By the way, here. 64 and a half, we're told, was the over-under. Oh, you always, always, Whoa. always bet the over. Yeah. That's oh. not even debatable. It's free money. Take it or leave it. Roger Goodell is still the commissioner of the NFL in five years. Take it. How old is he now? I think he's early 60s, maybe 61, 62. Yeah, I'd take it because he's making over $100 million. I think he's making like 40, 44. I mean, over the course of that will be... Oh, yeah. He's making over $40 million a year. So over the course of the next five years, a couple hundred million. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be, by the time this thing's done, he's going to be a billionaire. Well, and Dan... buy into a team. Not only is he going to be a billionaire, but... He doesn't have to do anything. He's already got their revenue. He's taken their revenue from something like seven million to thirteen, fourteen million, and his goal was twenty-five. Yeah, b- billion. But with legalized gambling around the country, it's going to explode. It right. He's going to get them to a billion dollars a team. NFL revenues will be thirty-two billion dollars a year. And the rights of those teams, you know, first of all, when when people want to compare the NFL and MLB or even NHL, NBA. The thing is, you have regionalized television contracts. The NFL is a national brand. It's on CBS, Fox, whatever. So those teams are divvying up that money, whether you're a low-end team or a high-end team. And then when you talk about them owning their gambling rights in the sport that's gambled on the most, Mm -hmm. it's going to be incredible, the amount of money they make. Uh, Take it or leave it. The best Super Bowl halftime shows are ones with some shock value. Take it. Well, I think left Justin shark. Timberlake could attest to that along with yep. Janet Jackson. Is left shark shock value? Oh, totally. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> what did you just say? Left shark, Katy Perry. Yeah, the left, oh? the left shark, yeah. Yeah. Come on now. I, I'm with you. I got you. Guys, but Katy remember, Perry was entertaining. I remember Very the Patriots so. repeating in a Super Bowl, with, or getting their second Super Bowl in three years of that year, not the Super Bowl halftime show, you degenerates. Yeah. Take it or leave it. This is Jack Flaherty's last year as a Cardinal. Leave that. Last full year as a Cardinal, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. I think he comes back in 2023. I think they want to, number one, I think that he has to prove himself that he can stay healthy. He's really only had one spectacular half season as a major leaguer. When he's healthy, he's in, I would put him in the top 10 for sure. Maybe the top five when healthy. Yeah, the potential is through the roof. Um I don't know if you guys feel this way, but if you said, okay, Scherzer uh, went healthy, is going up against uh, Flaherty, and I'd say, well, I, I, I'll take the Cardinals. I, I'd take, pick them. Yep. Put, put it that way. It's not going to be a lopsided yes. pitching okay. matchup. What Mo was looking forward to, if he could have had it at the end of the season, was a healthy Jack Flaherty mm-hmm. going against Scherzer in that wild card game. 
just couldn't get built up enough. I, I still, in watching him in those games at Wrigley, um, which seem now, with what's going on, seems like a decade ago, doesn't mm-hmm. it? The 17-game yeah. winning streak. But anyway, I, I got to see that he's healthy, man. Yeah, that's he, the key. He just didn't look right, and velocity was down a little mm-hmm. bit. Now, maybe a full season of rehab and health and all that kind of stuff is going to help, but I'm with you. If you would have got him in game one healthy, all bets are off. Although we know pitched well. He pitched very well. Could have won that game. Yep. Take it or leave it. Viewership in St. Louis will be higher than it was for the Patriots-Rams because they'll have a team in the Bengals that they feel comfortable cheering for. I'll take leave that. It. I'm going to take it. I'm going to leave it. You think viewership's going to be high in St. Louis? Well, at least higher than yeah. Rams-Patriots from a few years back. Oh. Uh, I'm going to leave it. I think the interest was even higher then. The hate watching was even then. Although I'm a good example of somebody that went out and watched my car during the game and didn't have it on the television yeah. because I was so yeah. emotionally I'm, still upset. I will see. I, I didn't see a snap of that game. I'll see some snaps of this game. Take it or leave it. Uh, Bengals win. Jamar Chase is the MVP. Leave. If Bengals win, Joe Burrow's, Burrow's MVP. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Thank you, the sir. reason that they win it. Thank you. Yeah. That's uh, Matthew Rocchio, Danny Mack, Randy Carricker coming up on 101 ESPN. Andrew Miller had an interesting interview with Jesse Rogers of ESPN yesterday and said some interesting things that I don't necessarily agree with. I'll tell you what it is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We touched on this yesterday. It came out yesterday at ESPN.com. Jesse Rogers interviewed Cardinal left-hander, former Cardinal left-hander, Andrew Miller, who's part of the executive board of the Major League Baseball Players Association. And, Dan, I thought there were a couple of interesting things. Number one, Jesse Rogers asked about what is a sticking point for me if I were in that room. He says, without a salary floor, Rogers saying this, teams may not be able to spend because they're able to win without doing so. As you said, different teams have been successful both with high and lower payrolls like the Tampa Bay Rays. And Andrew Miller said... The Rays have won, but we're not necessarily happy with the way that they've always operated. They are large recipients of revenue sharing, and the way they use that money, is that best for baseball? This is what we debate. Both sides have their experts, and we all debate. Well, Tampa Bay has a ballpark that's in a bad spot in St. Petersburg. They don't draw. They draw about 11000 a game. They should receive revenue sharing. And Andrew Miller, it sounds to me is complaining about the quality creativity of the Rays and the way they go about winning. I don't think that anybody should ever complain about a way a team wins. If it's winning, what's the complaint? Right. Um, This is going to be really interesting on a couple of fronts. First of all, the competitive balance tax. So uh, if you want to have a cap in the sport, um, which I think a lot of people would say, hey, that's that would be great. Have a cap. That's a dirty word for the players. Ain't going to happen. So no. you're going to have your competitive balance tax. And would that preclude then some of these teams like Tampa Bay and others from approaching those types of numbers? And the answer is yes. Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, you know, some of your smaller market teams. Then you're also talking about those like Juan Soto that are being paid under the current agreement as if you're just a average player at best, a young player. Why not get these younger guys paid 
and, and they're so far apart on that, Randy, that, you know, the, 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 the Major League Baseball Players Association is it started out, I think it was $110 million for a pool to, to pay some of these younger players that haven't hit free agency. And, um, and you're talking about arbitration and it does get very technical. But let me just give you this. The owners counted at 10. The Players Association is at 110. It started there, now 105. I mean, they're far apart on some of these major core uh, economic aspects of what we're talking about to get payers, uh, players paid. But I'm with you. I, I don't think – I just don't think a player should be telling an organization or organizations how to spend their money. But maybe what he's saying is that we have to make it to where they have to spend their money so we have competitive balance so that you're not allowed to go out and spend a payroll of $40 million, which I'm with. I think there needs mm-hmm. to be a floor at which these teams pay to. 100 million I think is fair, 110 maybe. I mean these teams are making money. So, um, you know, is it right that Baltimore should be having a payroll of 44 million when the Yankees are are pushing that threshold of 216 to 220? No, it's not. And you should have competitive balance in terms of some spending. Now, it's never going to be fair, I don't think in baseball. I until you have a cap and people say, I'll spend to the cap and a floor, it's just not going to happen. So what do you do? Well, you're going to have to get creative in how you do your business. And Tampa Bay is awfully creative in what they do. If you look at the big money sports in America, baseball doesn't have a cap. And the the highest paid player is Max Scherzer, $43 million a year. Basketball has a cap. Their highest paid player is Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's making $2 million a year more than Max Scherzer is, 45 to 43. And Paul George, by the way, is making 44. Football has a cap. Patrick Mahomes is making $45 million a year. He's making more than the highest-paid baseball player. Yet they have a floor in those sports that allows the lesser-paid players, the middle-class players, to get onto teams and get salaries, too. I don't see the argument for NFL or MLB players to say a cap isn't good for us. It might be good for other leagues. When baseball's goal, when you look at that executive committee. competitive balance. Well, they want competitive balance and they want their highest paid players to be the highest paid players. Well, they aren't right now. Right now, the highest paid guys are in the NFL and the NBA. Well, here's one of the things that I I would like to ask uh, the Players Association is that Max Scherzer's on the executive Council of the Players mm-hmm. Association. Andrew Miller's been paid handsomely for his role, one of the, the top paid lefties in his time period. Uh, I believe Marcus Simeon is on that. He, he just is. signed for, what, 175. Uh, there's another player that signed for a boatload of money um, near 150 to 200. My point is the guys that are at the table have made their money, and and that's great. And I'm all – we, we leave, live in a – country that allows free enterprise and and get yours go get it you know it's 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 a free system i'm fine with guys making money i never begrudge players for making money ever ever they're the best in the world at what they do however at that table i would love to have the the kid that grew up on a dirt floor in the dominican that is saying you know what i understand what you guys are saying but this is where i came from and i can tell you we're being paid pretty well and i don't want to miss any checks um, a Tommy Edmond would be a good guy who is, is just got a gold glove, has played well, uh, and is is suffering, if you want to call it that, under the current system of arbitration. Some of these players will be hindered by arbitration. Um, 
I, I think you need to have those guys at the table. So you have the Max Scherzer, that's great. He's, he's the top-paid guy. He's going to mm-hmm. make a half a billion dollars in his career. But the guy that's making the league minimum, I'd love to have him and, have a voice at the table too. And how about a guy like Daniel Descalso? Yeah. A, a mid-level guy that is – because people like Tommy Edmond get opportunities now. Let me – a better example would be Edmundo Sosa. Edmundo Sosa Six is a utility, years in the minors. Right. But a utility player making the minimum at the expense of a utility player who could be making $5 million. Mm-hmm. But why give Daniel Descalso, the veteran that could come off the bench and be a pro pinch hitter for you, why give him that money if you don't have to? Yeah. And, and the other thing I, I think with this too, Randy, is um, the Players Association, when they sign that deal – they can be mad. I mean, they got taken to the woodshed on this last mm-hmm. agreement. They can be mad, but here's the deal. You signed it. And they rehired Tony Clark. So you're in negotiations in any walk of life when you have these type of things. Take sports out of the equation, but you have people going against each other in negotiations. You're not going to get everything back right. in one fell swoop. And I, I don't think that's going to surprise people when I say that, but the players need to realize yeah. that. Uh, and I'm not saying the owners are off the hook either. I think there's blame to go around everywhere. But if you can't figure out how to split a twelve to thirteen billion dollar industry, mm-hmm. in and, and I'm just taking a very broad based look at this and and look at our world. We're in a pandemic. You already missed. You only had a sixty game season. You had limited fans last year. There is no doubt that you have been affected already going into next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if we asked the Cardinals or the Cubs or the Mariners or the Yankees, hey, how's how's ticket sales going right now? If you got an honest answer, I would imagine it's not great. No, and so no. you're affecting already the product for this yeah. year. It just, you've got to realize what's at stake yeah. if you start losing games. By the way, the fourth player on that committee is Lindor. It's Simeon, Lindor, Scherzer, and Andrew Miller. Now, I, I want to touch on two more quick things. Number one, ownership is certainly not devoid of blame here because they have taken it upon themselves to keep the guys like. Daniel Descalso out of the game and and to have a guy like uh, Edmundo Sosa as a bench player. That's just one example. They, the, the economic system has caused them to be able to eliminate the middle class of baseball. And they aren't putting the best product on the field. And they should be forced to put the best product on the field. And from the player's perspective, I'm of the opinion that they need they needed earlier to concern themselves with the integrity of the sport in terms of every team competing. Sure. And, and in 1990, Dan, players were making 52% of the revenue. Now they make 47. 47 yeah. It's 47 for the players, 53 for the owners. 1994 strike, the players were offered a 50-50 revenue split and turned it down. Said, we'll never have a cap. And now they're making less percentage of the revenue than any other sport. NHL, NBA, NFL. I, I got to wonder if anybody has said in that room and stood up and said, hey, have we thought about um, what fans might be doing with their d- discretionary income in the last couple of years? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, the Cardinals are a good example. Yeah, it's got St. Louis on the front or Cardinals on the front. It's the St. Louis Cardinals. But on the weekends, you do a 60-mile little circle around the city of St. Louis and there's something like 60 to 70% of those fans are coming from outside that that radius. 
So what's that telling you? Those people are planning a weekend against the Cubs or the Yankees coming into town this year. Uh, they're planning to make that trip. That's discretionary income for the average American to say that that could be our vacation. Like when we grew up, we thought going to the Ozarks was a big deal. Mm-hmm. That was our vacation. Yeah. So, you know, we occasionally went down to the ballpark. That was a big deal for us. You know, people don't have the kind of money all the time to go sit there and say, well, let's just go to every game we want. That doesn't happen. With That's as, not, as expensive as it is to go to a game. It's not ordinary life. Right. Um, and baseball still is the least expensive of the sports. Mm-hmm. It's still affordable. If you want to walk into that ballpark, you can find a way. But you, you're finding that people during the pandemic found other things to do, and you better get them back in the buying habit of going to the right. ballpark. There was a habit of buying your season tickets. There's a habit of going to certain weekend games and certain issues that you have uh, that pop up during the summer that you want to take care of. Yeah. And if you're not taking care of that now, you, you, you better start being concerned. And I'm concerned about that. That's today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Dan, Randy, and Matt. By the way, we need a fighter for 830. You can text in the word fight to 65780. Attach your name to the word fight, and we're going to find a fighter for today. Coming up next, though, we're going to head into the Blues booth. The Blues getting back to practice today. And Darren Pang, Blues analyst on Bally Sports, joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is Character and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home with locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Blues have been off for a while. They'll resume practice today and then be back in action Thursday night at Enterprise Center against the New Jersey Devils. Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joining us in the Blues booth this morning is Bally Sports Analyst Darren Pang. Panger, good morning. How have you been? Good morning to you both. You guys are the only ones that have been working uh, lately. That's all I know. <laughs> Boy, it sounds like you just woke up. All right, get oh, with it. Wake hey, up. Listen, Danny Mac. What? I'm, I'm up all the time. You no, know, you're not. You're... I had a wick. I had a wicked game of pickleball yesterday, uh-huh. and my bo- my body's a little bit sore. This uh, I'm a near 58 year old is uh, not quite as spry and quick and elusive as he once was. So I think to... you look great, yeah. by the way. And, and... I just want to throw that okay. out there. No problem. A lot, buddy. Panger no problem. has Bruce the dog. Danny has Doug the dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what breed is Doug? Uh, Doug is a full-bred uh, golden retriever. Yeah. Wow, that's a shatter, huh? Well, he, all he does is pick up stuff, and hence, I guess, retriever. Uh, now I <laughs> yeah. see why they go pick up everything. And he's yeah. very proud when he brings over his uh, toys. I don't know if your dog does that, but that's what mine does. Well, my, my dog's a cavapoo, and it's a, it does everything. Uh, Danny Mac, I hate to be a bragger, but I mean, oh, that's it, okay. it can do everything. It retrieves, it brings me golf balls, it... Uh, <laughs> It uh, sprints with me. Oh, yeah. It does stretches with me. You know what? I was chipping the other day in our living room. My wife really liked that. And we had, um, we have like these little golf balls that they they feel like an actual golf ball, but you can chip inside. And the problem is, I thought Doug the dog was outside. He wasn't and uh, took all our golf balls and, well, he ate them and then they came out the other end. But but everything was fine. Oh no. no! The old poop the golf ball trick out. Oh, oh, my my dog, my other dog that I used to have, he used to eat my underwear, and so one time I had to pull that out of him. 
Ooh, yeah, that was a rough day. This is a great way to start the day. Um, well, I needed to wake you up because I could tell you weren't awake, and I found that uh, that was irresponsible of you to come on this morning show and not be ready to go. Hey, Panger, how do you how do you think the Blues should treat coming back from this layoff? Oh boy, um, you know, I, I think the, the the guys have you know there have been guys skating so. You know, it's not like it's a cold, abrupt, okay, well, let's get back on the ice and lace up the boots again here. So that's number one. So, um, you know, I, I think Craig Berube has an incredible feel for um, for getting into it and, and preparing them mentally and preparing them physically. So how do you, how do you get into it? I, I mean, today you're on the ice for a full-on practice where your attention – uh, and attention to details has got to be—I mean, they've got to be spot on. You don't—if you're not ready for a drill, you better not be first in line. Let's put it that way. You guys have seen many of those practices where you're like, "Oh no, not that guy! No, no, no! Don't start the drill. We want to be sharp here." Um, We—we—and and I think that's where Craig Berube will get things going. So today will be one of those sharp practices that that uh, passing is going to be a uh, big detail, skating, not gliding, um, and and be explosive. And then uh, you know, and then then tomorrow may very well end up being a lot more specialty teams. So you're working on the PK, you're working on the power play, um, some of, maybe some of, your, uh, some, some of the outlets, some of the things that you're looking for and getting out of your own zone, maybe some neutral zone stuff. And then, then it's game day again. And I, and I think that with all the COVID and all the bubbles and all the breaks and all the startups that they've had, I, I think this Blues team is really good at preparing for this kind of thing. A lot of teams, like m- maybe New Jersey being a younger team, you know, um, get a little bit higher and lower. Um, and so that might be a problem. But uh, I, I think the Blues are, are, are pretty good at getting prepared for this, knowing that this second half is going to be a bear. The schedule is going to be tough. And they've got they've they've got to get ready and get the points against teams like New Jersey. They've got Chicago on Saturday. Um, you know, then it's Ottawa. That you know that should be a game in which you win. And then it's at Montreal. That's a game that you should win. And then it's the exciting game is at Toronto mm-hmm. on the nineteenth. Um, even though there's no fans, or I watched the Carolina game last night, and it's uh, it's brutal that there's no fans still in Canada. That's that's awful. And Panger, speaking of. No fans. I always go back to the bubble, and you made the point that Blues players have been skating. We tend to forget that they went three months without getting on a rink before they came back for the bubble. But that team against Vancouver, and really before that in that round-robin tournament uh, in Canada, after well, in the bubble, they just didn't play Blues hockey. And I got the sense that they didn't have the opportunity to get mentally engaged. And to me, that's the biggest thing about this team coming back, is that they have to be ready to play Blues hockey. Yeah, that that was a different animal, though. I think, uh, you know, that if if there's a team that uh, got stunted by by COVID, I think the the Blues were number one. I mean, they were they had the best winning percentage in the Western Conference. They were rolling. They're a, a team that's together. Uh, and then the break hits, and you know, they they really didn't. They really just couldn't. They couldn't rally. Uh, they're the first to admit it. They just couldn't get back to what they were all about. So, um, so, but but again, going through that. Hey, that that helps because it's right in your memory bank. Hey, that's what happened a couple of years ago during the bubble. We don't want that to happen again because they have not been a good playoff team. Um, those are the facts, and they've they've got to get back to thinking about you know winning the Stanley Cup because uh, they 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 can. And uh, that's what happened in 2019 when they started rolling. It was like nobody's going to beat us, and they've had a heck of a first half so far this year. A really good first half, and they're regarded highly regarded. You know, around around the uh, hockey world as a contender for the Stanley Cup. 
Hey, Panger, you're you're a big time national uh, entity on on hockey, so uh, you're a very very important person. So I figured you might be able to answer this question. Are you ready for it? Oh, sure, absolutely, Danny. Mack. Okay, all right, thanks, buddy. Um, when you're when you're talking to you know you, you go do a TNT game and you're talking to all the different people around the league. Number one, are they saying that this is going to be kind of a crazy deadline? Uh, a lot of teams have spent to the cap, so you're going to have to get creative. So what are you hearing about the trade deadline, which is about a month away? And then what are p- people saying about the Blues? Like, would they be aggressive in getting a defenseman? Do they think that they will be aggressive? You know, just the mindset of where the Blues are going into that particular uh, stretch of games going right before the trade deadline. Yeah, well, you are right on the mark on that uh, dollar in, dollar out. I mean, let's face it, the, the teams that are the contending teams are in that situation. So what player did I fall out of love with and what player can I fall in love with that someone else uh, has that, that I would like and I'll take a chance on that same dollar figure and they like the dollar figure that I've got here. I think that's the only way only way to, to possibly do it. The Blues have been very good at it. Um, that's why I like the position that they're in. There are a number of, if you want to go to what, Doug Armstrong or many general managers do Danny Mac at, at this time. When you're so solid up front, no need to, to be doing anything up front. That's good. Um, by and large, the defensive core is still very good. What would they be looking for? Same. The, everybody talks about the same thing. Some depth on the back end. Maybe somebody that's got a little bit of size on the left, on on the you know on the left D position. Somebody that's a you know solid penalty killer. Somebody that could clear out the front of the net. Um, you know, you go back to the formula that that brought you success, and that is being tough in front of your net and boxing out, and um, and maybe not the most expensive player in the world, but a player that's got experience. So, I, I mean, I think the Blues can handle that. I mean, they they can probably afford to be able to move some some uh, even if it is maybe even in a younger player that um, hasn't quite hit it just yet because of the depth up uh, up at forward. So. Um, but that really, Danny Mac. When you look around the league, that's exactly you know what teams and what the position that they're in. What team can afford to take on salary? Which, when you take on salary, you're taking on someone else's problems financially. So, what's that worth to you? There's a dollar figure that they all figure out. If if I'm taking on um, six million uh, a year times two, uh, that's probably a first rounder, a prospect, and maybe a second rounder. That's the way these teams that are on the bottom of the barrel that can afford it will do. So th- there are some deals to be made because of those teams. Panger, last thing from me: goalies get fixed in different ways. We heck, we saw the Blues send Brian Elliott to the minors a few years ago when he was slumping. How do the Blues get Jordan Binnington back to where we know he's capable of being? I, I think. You know, for me, that's Jordan Binnington taking care of his own business, taking care of his own net, um, getting back to the details of the game. And um, it, it's not work ethic for Jordan Binnington. Anybody that's ever gone out there and watched Jordan in practice, he, he's a worker. I mean, the drills that the Blues do, um, and I'm, okay, so I'm one of these guys, I sit in the stands, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's a 4-on-0, it's a 5-on-0, it's a 6-on-0, it's a 3-on-0, it's a 2-on-0. Like, like, I think, you know, sometimes you, you've got to kind of, um, uh, you've got to kind of take care of your goalies with some of the drills, too, to, to, to build up game-related confidence. Um, but, but I but I do believe that all it takes for a goaltender like Jordan Binnington or anybody else, Connor Hellebuck's going through the same thing. You look around the league, and there's a lot of the same situations that are that, that are happening uh, that are very eerily similar to, to Jordan, and that is just 
just not being able to get on a roll for an entire 60 minutes and playing really well for 40, giving up a goal. Uh Uh-oh, now another one goes in. Oh, now you lose a little bit of momentum. Concentration for 60 minutes, breaking the game down five minutes at a time. All those little things are the the things for me that, uh, that Jordan just has to grab onto again. There is a ton of hockey going on. All the fans and all the people that think, you know, because Billy Huso has taken on a very small sample size, and it has been terrific, and I've enjoyed watching him play. Um, we all know that this is going to get really intense here in February, March, and April. So they're going to need both goaltenders, and there's going to be a time where the door is going to open for Jordan, and he's got to grab that door and shut it behind him and not let anybody else uh, back in the room that he wants to be in again. Panger, we always love hearing your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it, and we're looking forward to being back at it on Thursday night. Yeah, my, my pleasure. I'm going to take some Advil, take care of this wonky body, and uh, see you guys at practice. <laughs> All right, we'll take see you care later. of that dog, too. <laughs> I Be will, nice to your sure. dog. Okay, yeah, buddy. you got it. Okay, buddy. Thanks a lot, Danny, man. You got it, buddy. That's the great Darren Pang joining us on He's 101 ESPN. He's terrific. And coming up next, we've got a new fighter for you here on Character and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Okay, it is a uh, time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. A little late for the fight, 836. I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Michelle Smallman. Matter of fact, uh, she'll be back next Wednesday. She's been on a long, extended vacation. She was, or is, at, uh, in South Africa. She had a wedding and then went on a safari, so she'll be back next week. And we say good morning to Tom, the challenger today for Randy Carricker. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Danny Mac. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I am wonderful. I just arrived here to work, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting some revenge on Randy. He got me about a year and a half ago. So I like it. I'm back, I'm back for seconds. Did I'd you also uh, like to take a, if I could, take oh, a yeah. second to take a, take a quick shout-out to a buddy of mine, Officer Gary Maxwell of the Overland Police Department. Uh, we talk about this show all the time. I know he's listening, so just wanted to say hello to him. Officer Gary Maxwell, is that what you said? Yes, sir. All right. Officer Maxwell, thanks for uh, what you do for our community. And, Tom, what do you do for a living? What, what keeps you busy? Uh, so I, uh, I work for a local Chevy dealership. I'm a financial services manager. Awesome. Okay. You ready to go? I am ready. All right. Let's get that revenge. Question one. Who led their league in home runs a record six consecutive times? Was it Babe Ruth, Ken Griffey Jr., or Ralph Kiner? Ah, uh, I guess I'll go with Babe Ruth. That seems like the obvious one, but I'll go with him. Okay. Question two, Matt. Who was the first goalie to score a goal in the NHL playoffs? Was it Ron Hextall, Billy Smith, or Martin Brodeur? I believe it was Martin Brodeur. Question three. Who is the only major league player to reach both 50 home runs and 50 doubles in the same season? Was it A-Rod, Barry Bonds, or Albert Bell? Um, that was Albert Bell. And there are only two NFL teams to play games as both an NFC and AFC team, the Seahawks and what other franchise? 
Was it the Colts, the Buccaneers, or the Bengals? I'll go with the Colts. I'm not really sure about that one. All right, let's bring in Randy. Randy will come in and challenge you, Tom. Uh, Thanks for listening all the time, and thanks to Officer Gary Maxwell, your buddy, for listening as well and talking about the show and taking in Randy and Michelle on all these mornings. And uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll have a little baseball to talk about as well. Randy is getting... Really? uh, Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Randy is getting (laughs) situated here. He's trying to hook up a device in case he wins. Randy, let's go. Hold on, Dan. Randy, let's yeah, go. Okay, I'm ready. <clears throat> Put on the headset and <laughs> say good morning on. to Tom. Tom, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I need to tell you that Tom said he's looking for revenge because he took you on about a year and a half ago, and he said that you beat him. So I'm just I, saying it's a it's a it's a revenge fight. Revenge I do fight. Apologize for that. I certainly didn't mean to hurt somebody's feelings. But he didn't say he was that's hurt by most, feelings. He just was going for revenge. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the most insincere apology. Well, do you, punk? <laughs> Don't laugh at that, Tom. You're encouraging him. <laughs> Don't do that. All right, Randy, question one. Here we Dan. go. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. Who led their league in home runs a record six consecutive times? Who home runs or runs? Who led their league in home, home runs? runs? Did I say runs? Yeah. I meant home runs. Uh, I thought I, I, I said home runs. To make sure that I well, let's just get correct. it right. Okay, a record six consecutive times. Six three six says Danny Mac is running a tight ship today. I learned my lesson last Friday. We stay on clock. Who mm-hmm. led their league in home runs a record six consecutive times? A record six consecutive times. I think I. I'm going to say Babe Ruth. Matt, question two, please. Who was the first goalie to score a goal in the NHL playoffs? I think it was Martin Brodeur. Ah, Martin Brodeur. Question three. Who is the only major league player to reach both 50 home runs and 50 doubles in the same season? Okay, this was this happened recently, obviously. Uh, Dan, I'm going to do the lifeline here. A-Rod, Barry Bonds, Albert Bell. Okay. It's not as easy as I thought. Well, Barry only hit home uh, 50 home runs one time. <clears throat> A-Rod had a lot of 50 home run seasons. But Albert Bell, man, he was a stud back in the day. So I am going to go... With Albert Bell. All right. right. And there are only two NFL teams to play games as both an NFC and AFC team, the Seahawks and what other franchise? Well, the Seahawks came into the league with the Tampa Bay Bucks, but I don't think it was them. Okay, NFC and AFC, so not NFL and AFL, correct? No, just yes. Okay. Post-merger, both the NFC and AFC. I think they did flip, actually. I think the Buccaneers and the Seahawks actually started in 1976 in separate conferences. 
and then made the switch. Let me just double check here to make sure. Um, it wasn't any of the four most recent teams that joined. And when you got to the merger, nobody did it. So I will go with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Matt, we have a winner. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Dan, come on, speak up. Tight ship. Uh, tight ship. <laughs> Get blown off course. He got me on the last one. Yeah, he did. And he was debating that, too. I thought we were going to go to a tiebreaker, but we were not. It was a very close fight. Uh, Randy got two, and uh, Tom, you got one. So who led their league in home runs a record six consecutive times? Randy, you watched a lot of the games I did with Tim McCarver. I did. <clears throat> who did he love to broadcast with and talk about all the time? Ralph Kiner. Yep. Ralph Kiner did it. it. Was, uh, that was my internal debate. Was it really? Yeah. I, I had Kiner. I was thinking, obviously, Babe Ruth would be on that. Yeah. You know, you always go to Bonds or A-Rod, none of those guys. But, yeah, you had to think about it. It was Ralph Kiner, and he was elected into the Hall of Fame back in 1975. Number two, who was the first goalie to score a goal in the NHL playoffs? It was Ron Hextall. Martin Bro- Martin Brodeur was the second goalie yep. to do it. I actually knew that one. And Billy Smith was the first goalie to score a goal as a in goalie. A game. Yeah. In a game. The only major league player to reach both 50 home runs and 50 doubles in the same season. This is a very good question. Albert Bell's the only one, I believe, that's mm-hmm. ever done it. Yes, but sir. Albert Bell did it with Cleveland back in the mid-90s. I thought there was. Let me check and see if there was another. Was guy. there somebody, somebody recently? Since then? Robert, Robert Robinson Cano, maybe? Did he do it? Okay, I could. I, I'm I not positive that. about that. I apologize that. if I did. I was thinking he might be the only one, Bell. Okay, I thought he but, still was. Okay. Uh, and then there are only two te- NFL teams to play games, both the NFC and AFC team, the Seahawks and what other franchise? They, it is the Buccaneers, who when they came in had one season as an AFC squad. Uh, they did not win a game. <laughs> Their first home win was against your St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, yeah, and Cano yeah. never did hit 50 okay. in the season. So Bell got 50, and I think it was 52 doubles mm-hmm. that year. I, you know, the, another choice that I would have gone with that would have been outside the box maybe was Alfonso Soriano. Yeah. Because I, I wasn't sure, though, if he ever ever had a 50 home run season. I think he had a 50 double season, but not a home run season. Let's just double check that because I've got it up here now. Home runs for Soriano. He had a 46 and that was it. So yeah. That was as high as he got. Okay. All right. All right. That's always fun. Tom, thanks for playing. Yes. Thank you guys again for having me. And Danny Mack, I hope to see you on uh, some Cardinals broadcast sooner than later, man. Thank you very much. Looking forward to yep. it. We'll have it. Just keep the faith. And appreciate you playing and nice words. Somebody's already started spring training. And we're going to head down there and talk to him in Jupiter next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Coupin Celebrity Line, and our friend Mike Claiborne from Claibs Online joins us. Danny Mack in for Michelle, Randy Character, and Michael, it is great to have you with us. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I have no complaints as of yet. I teased this segment by saying that you had already started spring training. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spring training is well underway here in Florida, although I (laughs) I came back this weekend. I I came back with Tim Van Gelder's uh, memorial service, and uh, as soon as I got off the plane, I realized I was in the wrong place. 
and and hurried back to Florida. But uh, yeah, I'm here, and I'm just waiting on something to happen. There were not many people funnier or more engaging than Tim Van Gelder. You know, I had the pleasure of working with him for a couple of years in radio, and every day he made me. There's two people who who make me laugh every day I'm around him: Mike Shannon and Tim Van Gelder. Uh, and what an adventurer he he was in, in so many ways. Exceptional athlete. I know we knew him as a football player, but you know he he threw a no hitter in college, uh, the only no hitter from what I'm told uh, that Iowa State has ever had. Uh, very good golfer, and used to use these really tall tees. and And I used to go play mm-hmm. with him, and I realized he was better for your hand eye coordination because you know you slow your swing down and make sure you you know didn't break the tee more or less. But what a fun person, man! And, and we we miss him already. I thought I made you laugh, or you're just laughing at me every time you see well, me. No, I, I just I don't see you every day. I didn't <laughs> see you every day. But when mm. when the season starts, you do amuse me to no end. So uh, feel good about that, and I can't wait to see you. Well, it means a lot to me. Um, I can't wait to be down there, and hopefully, we're talking about Major League Baseball, not just the minor leaguers, but uh, you know, before it's all said and done, I, I would imagine in the next couple of weeks, you'll see some of those minor leaguers starting to trickle in. Well, the, the Florida Marlins or the Miami Marlins already have – Danny, if you go by their parking lot, there's not a parking space available. Yeah, I heard they are having like all a the, camp or something, right? Yeah, all the minor leaguers are here, and uh, they got it going on over there. Uh, the Cardinals used to do that. They, I, I guess they elected not to do it this year. They did, there's yeah. There's a few minor leaguers that are there, uh, but the Marlins, are, as uh, Lance Lynn used to say, full gorilla over there. Um, I think it's going to be interesting is when these guys start showing up. So anybody that's not on the 40-man business as usual, they've extended the minor league season to AAA, probably be uh, roughly 150 games this year. And the major league staff can can work with those kids. So you're talking about Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, Matthew Libertor. They're not on the 40-man. Avon Herrera, unfortunately, is. So Juan Yepes is. They're on the outside looking in. But it's kind of a double-edged sword. You want to see these guys compete? Like, I would love to see someday that uh, in March, Max Scherzer gets a start for the Mets, and Jordan Walker's at third base, and Nolan Gorman's at second, and the opposition is Matthew Libertor. So that's one thing where you love to see those guys compete against the best in the world. But on the other side, the Major League staff can see these guys up close, and I'm sure that's something they're going to do in March. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, the the more they get eyes on these guys, the more confidence they'll have if they have to bring them up compared to, you know, saying, well, who is this guy? Where did we get him from? Uh, so I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, these guys need reps. You know, I mean, they're trying to get to the big league, so they need as many reps. And, you know, if the if the spring is shortened, you know, we're going to go through what we saw last year where, you know, where are you going to get innings? Where are you going to get at bat? So all of those things are going to be important. Uh, so the more they can see you, the more that uh, your chances of getting to the show are increased because of an injury or whatever, and you just got to stay ready. And I would imagine most of these guys are already on their own schedule as far as getting ready and, and because they're kind of creatures of habit anyway. They don't know anything else to do other than play catch with each other at this time of the year. Klebs, those uh, first three or four days after a CBA is reached are going to be crazy for a free agency. Frantic is what I would say. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you can't have contact with agents if you're a team. You just kind of have to wait. And when, when the bell rings, it's going to be a free-for-all. 
Uh, and I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. You know, a couple of years ago when, you know, free agency was slow uh, and we didn't see a lot of guys get signed until, you know, right before spring training, I, I think this is totally different because there are teams that may be looking to make deals as well as far as uh, compared to just signing free agents. So it's going to be frantic, but I, I think uh, these teams are well prepared to to pivot when they need to. And I think you'll also see, uh, you know, agents and, and players looking at the situation as well. So the question I would roll out to you guys, do you think we'll see more short-term deals because of the window that they have to work with? I think it's all dependent on the CBA and what it looks like. I think it's going to yeah. wind up being like NFL free agency. I think you'll see a flurry yeah. in the first day, and then after that you'll see a bunch of one-year deals. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm good with that. I, I think the one thing baseball has missed out on compared to the NHL and the NBA and the NFL, when free agency starts, man, it's like a, a land rush. It's a gold rush. I mean, it, it's a stampede as far as getting <laughs> deals done, and it keeps themselves, keeps their name in the news. Uh, Major League Baseball doesn't do it that way, but, you know, think about in, in the NHL, July 1st, I mean, everybody's excited to see who's going to, who, first of all, who the Blues are going to sign. And you see it in the NFL and, and certainly the NBA in July. And I, I hope, and I guess we're going to see it this year in baseball because they don't have a choice. Hey, uh, Klaibs, what's your standard answer? I, I know you're probably getting it. I get it everywhere I go. I mean, every single day I go. Well, what's going on with baseball? What's going to happen? What, what, you got a standard answer yet? I don't know. Yeah, that's me too. Uh, no I, clue. I mean, because I don't. I mean, you know, uh, there's kind of been this embargo on, on us being able to, A, talk about it. But, B, you know, I don't reach out to anybody. I'm just ready to go when they say we're going to exactly. play baseball. Exactly. Because to, to sit up and, and try and lose sleep over something I have no control over uh, doesn't do me any good. By the way, guys, uh, Scotty Upshaw, the former Blue, reporting that he's hearing that the Blues are signing Robert Bortuzzo to a two-year, $1.9 million extension. Upshaw tweets, Doug Armstrong once again understands the importance of guys who play their guts out every night for their teammates, a Stanley Cup champ and an all-around beauty. So, uh in Army, we trust. I'm a little surprised, but two years, $1.9 million overall, Klaibs, that's a good deal for Robert I love, Bortuzzo. I love the deal. Uh, I think Bortuzzo is one of the glue guys on this mm -hmm. hockey team. Uh, he does anything and everything. He protects his teammates. Uh, you know, he can do what you need him to do. Remember, at one point, they had to move him up and had him play on the wing for a while. Uh, I think he is a, a very key component to this hockey team when it comes to character, so I'm glad to see he's going to be around for a while. You know, people ask me, who are you excited to see if and when spring training hits? And I, uh, the guy I keep coming back to is Jordan Walker. I, I can't wait to watch this kid play. He's 6'5", 220 pounds. He can run. He's got a big arm. Um, I wonder if they start making maybe a transition to the outfield with him just because you could have Nolan Arenado in the fold for many years and Jordan Walker is a third baseman. But by all accounts, this guy will be in the top 10 of prospects next year. He's already in the, the top 30, top 25 of a lot of these, uh, you know, the experts, if you will, that evaluate minor league players. So I can't wait to see this kid play, Klaibs. I agree with you, Dan. Um, you know people in the game like I do that aren't in the Cardinal organization. And, you know, sometimes when you when you hear about one of your own, you kind of get a little giddy sure. about them. Yeah. But this is a person that when you talk to uh, people in other organizations, they're lathered up as much as some of the people within the Cardinal organization about the skill set that they see. Uh, physically, he checks every box. 
He's got talent. I don't think anybody's going to argue about that. They love his character, his work ethic, all the things that, you know, you hope that you hear about in a player. Um, and he's a, a bright young man from what I'm told. I have not personally had a chance to shake hands with him yet. I'm looking forward to it. But I've heard nothing but good things about him and his potential. Yeah, me too. And finally, Claves, Matt Rocchio says that he's got a new Billiken preview coming up at Claves Online. And I see that uh, you guys have Zooms from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. you got a lot going on at Claves Online right now. Man, we're all over the place. Uh, I think we're the only people from St. Louis that are at the Super Bowl. Um, so we've got we're going to be re- re- reporting from there. We've got a great uh, two man game with Matt Rocchio and Bob Ramsey. Man, college basketball is really this is my fun time of the year because everybody's trying to make a run uh, to get themselves in the tournament. And now we hear a lot of coach speak about how good the other teams are, how our league is good, and all that. We're going to hear all those things leading into March Madness. So we've got that working for us. Going to talk some hockey this week, Alex Ferrario and Jamal Mares. We're going to talk with both of them this week as the Blues get their season started up again on Thursday. So uh, a whole lot of stuff going on. Uh, we're just trying to keep up with uh, Scoops with Danny Mack, man. That, that's <laughs> our only mission. Just trying to stay within a half game with Scoops with Danny Mack. That's very we, nice of you to way, say. Well, it's only the truth. And, and I'll say this. You know, a lot of people – try the whole website thing and, and most people have been successful but Danny Mack was one of the first guys that got it started locally and has had great success and I, I tip my cap to him and what he puts into it on a regular basis well I appreciate that uh, you know the the genesis of this claims was I was a little worried about a work stoppage so I guess maybe I, I, I was right I don't know Bengali we got here on the radio this morning. No, I'm kidding. Like I'm telling you. Let's just get baseball, man. I'm sick of trying to figure out what's going on. And and frankly, I don't know about you or Randy or, or Matt or even our – I don't care about the business side of it. Just get on the field. Let's play. Let's let's get some baseball back. I agree. That's the only thing I can worry about is when they get on the field, everything else I'm going to leave the people smarter than me. You got it. Claves, always great to have you with us. Thanks. Enjoy the day, and we'll talk to you soon. Look forward to it, fellas. Have a great week. You Thanks, too. Claves. Mike Claiborne with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, Tom Brady has been an ultra-competitive football player over the years. What's he going to do without football to fill that competitive mm-hmm. void? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know, I'm just going to take things as they come. You know, I think that's the best way to put it. And I, I don't think anything never, you know, you never say never. And, you know, at the same time, I know that I'm very, I feel very good about my decision. So, I don't know how it feels six months from now. It most likely won't. But, you know, I try to make the best possible decision I can in the moment, which I did this last week. And, again, I think it's not looking to you know, reverse course. I'm definitely not looking to do that. That is Tom Brady, former Patriots and Buccaneers quarterback last night with Jim Gray on Let's Go on Sirius XM. And Dan, remember when Michael Jordan retired for the first time, he left the door open 1% and basically said, never say never. Brett Favre did that. Never closed the door on returning. Are we going to see a redux of Tom Brady. Is he coming back to play for the 49ers or something? So he's 44. Uh Uh-huh. I agree with the never say never. I I think 
you you never close the door on it, even though that opening may be very slim. But to think, I think we'd be naive to think that next year there is a very good team and the QB goes down or is, let's just say, somewhat ineffective and you need mm-hmm. somebody to make a run. Why wouldn't you just just reach out to him? He the only what's the worst thing that happens? He's gonna tell you no. Yeah, Derek Carr gets hurt in Vegas. Josh yeah. McDaniels is there and says exactly. Hey, let's go. Uh, let's have some fun in Vegas. That's why I always said to David Freeze. I said David Freeze. I said David, uh, if a team comes calling like mid August, why not? Mm-hmm. You're a money player. Come off the bench and take some abs. Right. He's like, well, you know, and I, you, you could always just tell guys still have a little glimmer of hope of maybe doing that, but. He's got so many interests, Tom Brady, outside of football that maybe allow him. They cannot match the competitive juices of being under center and playing in the NFL. It just can't. And that's the thing. You have to be ultra competitive to play until 44. So how does he fill that competitive void? And I loved watching Steve Young and Joe Montana play. And I loved watching Mike Tyson fight. And I loved watching Tiger Woods golf. So... I know exactly what that feels like, and there's elements of it where new people move into those roles, and now you got to enjoy new people. So, amazing, uh, you know, aspect of life. You know, things go on, and I've taken so much from the sport, and I'm glad so many people enjoyed watching me play over the years. Believe me, I love playing more than they loved watching me. That was Brady talking about his appreciation for the fans that watched him over the years. He was asked by Jim Gray, though, how he fills the competitive void. Well, I played a little golf this last week, and I can assure you it won't be golf because I retired from football, and I figured <laughs> I've been at golf for one week, and I want to retire from golf because I suck at that sport. So I'm going to have to find some competitive uh, places to put my time and energy. You know, And that's all to be determined. I don't know. It's... I literally have no idea what the future holds, and nor do I really care to, you know, think too deeply into those things. I think they'll all, you know, different opportunities will present themselves, and I'll just continue to to think about what I want to decide for my future. And Dan, I think the the path for a former superstar athlete has changed when you look at the path that Peyton Manning is on owning production companies and developing content when you look at what LeBron James is doing as an active player when you look at what the late Kobe Bryant was on the path to doing that seems to be where the the former athlete is headed these days rather than going out and playing golf every day so he's got a production company he's got apparel merchandise company he's got tb12 sports which is like the health and wellness company that he's got the one thing though is that he and this is where it gets interesting and and follow what i'm about to say so he has been offered by some accounts um there were reports that networks would offer him like 25 million a year to be a game analyst and i bring this up because when you're when you're done the next guy's coming. Mm-hmm. They're going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes all week. They'll be talking about Joe Burrow. They'll be talking about whomever. And you're not you're not the guy anymore. And I'll tell you what, that attention and that adulation is a drug. It's a drug for some of these guys. And when they don't have it, they yearn for it. And it's not to say that you're just a self-serving jerk. No, it's just you've had that your entire life. You've been the focal point for uh, a league's um attention you know i mean everybody's if tom Mm -hmm. brady was on tv a lot of people stopped and watched and that's gone the minute that you say goodbye so i just wonder if down the road maybe it's a year 
But he says, you know what? I'm being offered $25, $30 million to go in, and I get to get my mug on national television every year, and people are hanging on my words. People are listening to what I have to say. Because when you're done, and some guys are good with it. Some guys are like, I don't want to be interviewed. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, I'm, I'm done with the attention. I needed to move on from this. I needed to go be with my family. I needed to blend into normal society. But I'm telling you, man, when you've been 22 years and you're the focal point of this league, the number one league in the world, um, and that's all of a sudden stops the drop of a dime, guys don't think of that. And when it's done, it's done. I thought when Tony Romo became a star that Peyton Manning would find himself in a booth. And he found himself in a booth in a different and creative way with the Manning cast. And I would think that Brady's looking at Romo the same way he's looking at Peyton and Eli saying, man, they're doing cool things. I wonder if there might be something new and creative on the horizon sure. for Brady rather than just winding up in a booth. And I would say this too, controlled. Well, because Peyton Manning owns the Manning cast. That's his production company that's doing the Manning cast for ESPN. It's not an ESPN production. And if you're doing like a, a feature or a 30 for 30 or an hour-long special, whatever, you control that. And, and like, I, like the man the, the man in the arena. That's, that's right. right? His, that was his last dance. And like I've said to you many times, um, you know, live television is live television. What comes out of that mouth, man, can stick with you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's unscripted and things can happen. And he seems to be really wanting to control the narrative on every aspect yeah. of what he does. And so that's one way to do it. You still stay in the conscience of the sports fan by being out there on some type of show or whatever you're going to do, but you control the narrative, which is something that's very important. It seems like from the outside looking in is his image in that regard. And one other tentacle to this, Dan, don't you think that's part of the reason that he left Belichick? Because he wanted control, and he had control in Tampa Bay. Belichick controls everything yeah. in New England, and I have to believe that after 20 years, Brady was saying, you know what, and, and seeing guys like Manning and Breeze have the level of control that they had at the line of scrimmage, I have to believe that part of the reason that he wanted to move on was so that he could be in control of a situation. Sure. And that's the thing. You'd think now, this is why the, the, the retirement's so shocking, because you talked about it, that ego of not of wanting, still wanting to be one of the top guys. But how many times do you guys have that, that, that ego where they can still do it? He can still be one of the top quarterbacks in the he league. He was the he best could, this, yeah, this he, year. He, he, he <laughs> yeah. arguably could have been the MVP. And so how much is it in his head where you don't want to be that, you know, you don't want to give up being the top, but he has the option where he could still be at the top and he's you know, voluntarily walking away from that. Plus, if he goes to any team right now, they would lay out a red carpet for him, let him make any decision he wants. He gets any wide receivers he wants in free agency yeah, that, that I, are available. It's just he can do whatever he wants and have it any way he wants. I'm just still shocked he's not going to take advantage of that. Well, the thing is, though, and Randy, you've been around this a long time, and I'll say it again, the adulation, the, the fact that you are beloved – and I'm not saying that that goes away in terms of pe what people think of you. But when you're not playing, when you're not between the white lines, you're not the guy anymore. There's another guy coming, and that's life. And this stuff is like a drug, man. Yeah. And I, I just wonder when you're when he's going to be like any other human being, when he's out of it for a year, how much that pull is going to be there for him to, whether it's back to playing or 
finding some uh, more of a meaningful role to be in the sports conscience of the NFL fan or sports fan is is part of this. We'll be hearing about the guy. Yeah. Either way, we'll be hearing that's, about that's the guy. That's my point. Yeah, the story we're going to hear after week one of next year is Tom Brady went out last night and threw 40 passes to some random <laughs> right. wide receiver because exactly. he got so jacked up watching a, yeah. a, a season from the couch. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN 914. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Blues have made some moves as they get ready for the second half of the season and as they get ready Ready for next season. How does this affect next year's roster? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack and Randy Carricker with you and the Blues announced this morning that they have signed Robert Bortuzzo to a two-year contract extension worth $1.9 million. Forward Logan Brown gets a new one-year deal, a one-way contract worth seven hundred and fifty grand. so he'll be with the Blues next season. And the Blues also placed Scott Perunovic on injured reserve with an upper body injury and recalled forward Dakota Joshua from their AHA affiliate in Springfield. So Bortuzzo, a two-year extension, He's a really good fit for what the Blues do in terms of personality and his flexibility. Logan Brown has been a really nice addition. I'm kind of concerned about Perunovic not being able to get on the ice stand. Yeah, I, uh, he, for as he much was, as he's yeah, been he, thought he was of. hurt last year yep. and now can't get on the ice this year. And so Dakota <laughs> Joshua brought up. And next year, Clem Costin is a restricted free agent. Tyler Bozak, at the age of 36, will be a UFA again. Our friend David Perron is an unrestricted free agent as well after this season. He's making $4 million. And, Dan, I look at the way that the team is constructed right now. I have to think that with the signing of Logan Brown, you probably are not bringing Bozak and Costin back. I'm just trying to be logical about, about this. Where's Neil in this? Neil won't be back. Yeah. He's, he'll, so he'll he's be gone. Older here. Uh, and I'm wondering about the future for David Perron in St. Louis. And by the way, defensively, with the extension for Bortuzzo, Jake Wallman also a restricted free agent after this year, an exclusive RFA. But I would think that the Blues will probably move on from Wallman at some point soon, too. I think the uh, going back to Bortuzzo makes sense. Now, he's going to be 35 by the time that that deal ends. So... This could be one of his last deals, certainly. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense if you get him for under two million bucks in a couple of years. And it, it, what it tells me is that Doug Armstrong and the front office realize it goes beyond sometimes what's happening on the ice, and that you have glue guys that are in that dressing room that are appreciated for taking on various roles, which he's done. He's moved up to the wing for for goodness sakes at, at some points, um, and is is taken on every role and done it with. I would assume a smile and not complaint and and guys like him and you need those kind of guys in the dressing room and that's why you reward guys that are good teammates and good to the franchise uh, for these kind of deals and, and that's what he's getting here. Dan the other part of this is is that next year they'll be the two lowest paid members of the yeah. franchise. If you can get good serviceable players to fill out the bottom part of your roster. That's why the Blues won in 2019. That's why they're good now is because they have inexpensive depth yeah. at the bottom part of their roster, and they can afford that. They don't have the 12 and $11 million players at the top end of their payroll. So when I look at what Army is putting together for 22-23, it looks to me like he's trying to 
put together basically what he has now. Right. Just Keep with the different core parts. intact. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what he's doing. And this allows you then, if you do have those major injuries that come to top end players. Now, Bortuzzo is not that guy, but can he fill in and fill in and be serviceable? Absolutely. Does he mean something inside the dressing room? That tells me he means a lot to a lot of the players. So it does make sense as to why you would do it. Again, it'll be 35 at the end of it, but it seems to, for $1.9 million, two years, yeah, you do it. And I'll be really interested to see what happens at the deadline. You were asking Panger about the deadline. And the one contract that the Blues probably would move on from – if they could, I would believe, would be Marco Scandella, who's got yeah, a no-trade clause, a modified no-trade clause. But there really isn't another player where you say, I can afford to get rid of that guy. Not, I'd like to get rid of that guy, but I, I look at this roster, Dan, and I don't see the guy where you say, I can afford to maybe a Costin because he won't be back next year, restricted free agent. Maybe somebody sees something in him, but the return isn't going to be great. I don't see a a guy where you're going to go out and get a premier player. If the Blues make a move, I think they're going to have to move the Scandella contract and give up picks. Sometimes it's interesting when you hear when fans will say, man, Doug Armstrong, he can be cold-hearted. I don't look at it being cold-hearted. I look at business. He's doing his job. And so you, you, I've talked to GMs about this. I said, what's the toughest thing that you have in your business? He said, well, we're human beings, and you do get attached to guys that you like and families and understanding backgrounds, but you can't. You, you've well, got to disassociate yourself from that, and that leads me to David Perron. What yep. do you do with David Perron going into next year? Well, David is 33 years old. That's an age at which players decline. And as much as we love him, he has declined this year. He's been injured. Obviously, lots of people have dealt with COVID, and he's one of those. But to this point in the season, he has not been what we would ordinarily expect of David Perron. He has played in 31 games, has 21 points, and just hasn't lived up to what the expectations are. I'd be curious of what he's asking for. Well, that's a big part of it because I can't imagine that he's going to go somewhere and get more than four. But if you're Doug Armstrong and you nearly got burned by David Backus at a younger age, Mm -hmm. do you, like you say, do you gamble on that guy if he's going to be at the same price? I don't, I think going into the season, I was thinking of a different price point for the Mm -hmm. contract. And now this is why you let it play out. This is why if you're in a front office, you roll the dice and you say, well, sure, we'll let it play out and we may get burned. This guy may have a great year and cash in, or he's comfortable here. Doesn't have as good a year as maybe we anticipated. And the price point drops. Um, I'm fascinated what happens with Mm -hmm. with David Perron because I I think, you know, coming back for three different times and what he's meant to the cup run, the fact that he's a very good player, I I think these next 40 games are are really important for him. And maybe the the club has already decided what they feel about him, you know. But 40 games can change it too if he goes off and you say, well, maybe he wasn't the same player because of – COVID and it took a while to come back from that and there was a concussion and there was different ailments that he was dealing with and now this is the player that he truly is we can't let him go that's it's going to be something that plays out I think in the next couple of months I I appreciate and I hate the fact that I've reached this point in my life as a sports fan where I'm thinking like a front office and I have 
kind of disassociated myself from emotional attachments to players. And I'm looking at what's best for the team. Well, you've been around a long time, and you've yeah. been attached to a lot of guys that have moved yep. on. So you just kind of learn from, don't be well, uh, once bitten, you know. And Dan, I like every single guy from the greatest show on turf and still have great relationships with those guys. But the worst thing, besides Kroenke taking over, but the worst thing on the field that happened to the St. Louis Rams was when they became emotionally attached to yeah. Isaac and Tori and Orlando. Not so much Kurt. Uh, but they, they kept guys around who were well past their prime and that you just couldn't win with anymore. Well, I think another great example of that, Randy, is uh, Cardinals win with the 06 team. Mm-hmm. 04 and 05 were tremendous teams, but they aged pretty quickly. And then in 07, I think they brought in Adam Kennedy and it was Kip Wells. Those are the two guys. That, right. and they extended Jimmy Edmonds. They brought the band back together. And the band wasn't the same as 04, 05, and then the great month that they had in 06. The first couple of months of 06 were really good. Then Albert got hurt. The team didn't play well. They get in with 80-plus wins. And then they became the team that they all thought they could be because they got healthy. Eckstein got healthy. Albert was healthy. Jimmy Edmonds played well. You made the acquisition of Belliard, who was a major factor on that team. Maybe made the play of the, uh, the postseason with that great diving stop in San Diego. But then they kept it together, and it probably hurt the club at that point in time going into 07. It took them a long time. You know, Chris Carpenter got hurt that first Sunday night when they brought out the trophy in the rings against the Mets. I think it was Sunday night baseball. So he's out. And it took all the way. They were were fighting the whole time to get back to, like, respectability, 500, make a run in September. They got beat up by the Cubs in a series at Bush Stadium. I think it was a five-game series, and they got smoked. And you just tell the, the team mm-hmm. was completely out of gas. Sometimes you stick with players too long. And it's not necessarily the worst thing to have turnover. Um, I'm not saying I know which players that I, I would want to turn over at this point. I let the season play out. But your point is a valid one. Sometimes you stay too long with the guys that you love. And we do get a text from the 314. Terrible moves. Bortz and Brown are the last two guys on the roster, which is why they would be the two lowest paid guys on the roster. Wallman is 20 times better than Bortuzzo, and Brown has been a scratch lately. Do you think, this is just my opinion, if Wallman were 20 times better than Bortuzzo, that he might have shown up in the All-Star game this weekend? And he might have been playing a lot more uh, minutes, too. I think so. Yeah. No, I'm not really sure with I would agree with that. So Brown gets a one-way deal. So mm-hmm. he's getting 750 and Bortuzzo is under two. Yeah, Brown's at the minimum. Yeah. And Bortuzzo is very close to the minimum. Right. So and, I, I'm fine with it. And those are guys that you aren't going to play every night. That's, no. Uh, yes, you, you do scratch guys that are your lowest paid players. That's Dan. I'm Randy. And coming up on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's time for... Killing me, Smalls. And, Dan, we talked earlier about Kyler Murray removing all semblance, all uh, notes of his being a Cardinal from social media. Mm. Pro Football Talk points out that he did it one day after the Pro Bowl, after days spent around players from other teams, days spent hearing about it is, how it is in other organizations, days spent being recruited by older players from other teams. 
I didn't look at it from that perspective, but that sure. does make sense. I wonder right now who would give up a premium for Kyler Murray, who took his team to the playoffs, but a lot of teams Bad have finish. young quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. He, he would be an interesting guy, but nobody on the Cardinal side and Murray himself haven't spoken up about why he has removed the Cardinals from his social media platform. So uh, we mentioned it earlier, he's owed 5.4 under his rookie contract for next year and then under contract for one more season after that. Uh, I wonder if he's disenchanted with Cliff Kingsbury too. Seems like a lot of folks are. Um, But that does make sense when you're at a Pro Bowl and you're around all these guys and they're essentially recruiting you and it seems like if, if a guy wants out they can get out for the most part they can force a deal and he's saying yeah let's let's team up let's go do this that would make sense yeah it didn't didn't surprise me whatsoever no. you're killing me small Dan Serena Williams is going to be in a Super Bowl commercial and she did an interview for Ad Week and she asked Am I an actress now? Because she doesn't play tennis anymore. She says she's training to return to the court, but she might be training to stay in shape for being an actress. Well, wait a minute. She, well, she is playing tennis because she's going to come back, right? Well, she's says she's training for it. She says, I'm back to training, which is exciting. So I'm just trying to make sure I'm getting a little bit more fit training-wise, just getting my body and my muscles used to tennis training because that's totally different from just regular training. And then we'll see what happens. No pressure. Well, you had Burt Reynolds. You had, uh, let's see, The Boz did some movies. Jim Brown. Terry Bradshaw. He did some movies mm-hmm. too. Uh, sure. Why not make the transition? Do it. Seems like it was always football guys or these big, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was uh, obviously a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Big dudes, you know, rough and tumble sports. They were the ones that uh, dipped their toe into the water of uh, Hollywood. Yeah. But we, I don't know if we've seen a female athlete. Am I missing somebody that would be an obvious choice, a female athlete that has transitioned into that side of it? I don't uh, believe so. Ronda Rousey did a little acting. Yeah, she did. That's a good yep, one. She was in a movie. Yeah. Um, trying to think. Chris Everett, six no. five seven eight zero. We are we missing somebody? I don't believe so. No female golfers. Uh, one female tennis player had a bit part in a movie. Uh, I think Navratilova had they had a bit part in a movie, and I, uh, just as like somebody's wife. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. You're killing me, Smalls. Dan, speaking of career changes, we've seen Steve Kerr go from the broadcast booth to the sidelines. We've seen Mike Mayock go from NFL analyst to general manager of the Oakland Raiders. Lewis Riddick today of ESPN is interviewing with the Pittsburgh Steelers for their vacant general manager job. I really like what Lewis Riddick says on TV. I really liked what Mike Mayock said on TV, too. Just because a guy is good on TV doesn't mean he'll be a good general manager. But if Lewis Riddick, who played in the league, he's been in a front office before, wants the opportunity, I hope he gets the opportunity. Well, I think you hit the the nail on the head there is that he's done this before. So it's not like you're taking uh, Matt Millen out of the booth with no experience in that realm good and comp. saying, yeah, and saying, hey, let's let's put him as the general manager because we really like him as a TV analyst. The fact that he has background, Lewis Reddick, in a front office, understands how it works. I'd feel a lot more comfortable doing that than just pulling a guy because I really enjoy his insight on Sunday afternoon or Sunday night or whatever the case may be. Um, that would make more sense to me than just pulling a guy 
with no experience and saying, hey, we're going to go for it with him. Not to say that that person couldn't do it. I, I just think that they find out it's a lot tougher and maybe different than what they anticipated. Not that they're not understanding it, going in, eyes wide open, but to have the experience of being in those rooms, of the understanding of being on that side, of being part of a team, um, I'd feel a lot more comfortable doing that than pulling some guy out of the booth and saying, go for it. I, I'm intrigued by... I'm intrigued by this just because he has been away from the front office for such a long time. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying he can't do a good job, but it's the other interesting thing about this from my perspective... What was perspective, the last time that he was in a front office? So it's been six, seven years, maybe? I think it's been seven years, okay. yeah. Pittsburgh has always, with that general manager's job, they've promoted from within. Kevin Colbert's mm-hmm. had the job for something like 20 years. And before that, it was Tom Donahoe. This would be the first time... I think since the quasi-dynasty started in 1970 that they would be bringing somebody in to run football ops that wasn't part of the family. That's interesting, too. Go outside the organization, which, you know, the Steelers are maybe not the best example because they've had so much success for so many years. But usually getting a different set of eyes or a different voice in your organization isn't necessarily the worst thing. doesn't have to be the leader, but just getting somebody in that can get to the leader and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. This is something that I am looking at. Maybe you want to look at it this way. Is there anybody in sports right now that you'd want to see get a crack at it that's in a booth that you think, yeah, that'd be a good coach or a GM? I mean, Larry Durker did it in in baseball. I I really would be interested to see Peyton Manning get an opportunity to evaluate talent and be in a front office. Hmm. Because he actually did it. They... The Colts had him, and the Broncos, both had him evaluating players, uh, especially wide receivers that he would be throwing to. So I'd be interested to see if he's a guy that can pick out winning players. I think it's really hard to do. I think you got to have, in baseball, maybe a catcher or a bench guy. Mm-hmm. Somebody that kind of is sitting there managing along and scrappy guy that is hanging on and understands all realms of how this works from the lower end right. player to because sometimes you, you go talk to these great players and they're like i don't know i just did it well how'd you do it i don't know i hit 500 home run i don't know i did it. i just i was blessed i guess like they can't tell you how they did it where the guy that is just hanging on and fighting for dear life sometimes has a better perspective mm-hmm. than even the the greats yeah Peyton Manning no had to change how he had to throw like three different times in his career because of his injuries yeah right so in, in a couple of ways though I think he despite being you'd think he's too good to be a good coach kind of that cliche but he's one of those guys where I actually think because of the technical way because of the way he breaks down tape I actually think he might be one of you know the exception that proves the rule if you will so the position maybe QB but then you got it you know you got the other side of the football too you got let's say catcher position player utility guy in baseball that is involved it seems like more so than other positions on the field that would make sense to me you're killing me small and one more danny and this is a story that we shouldn't have to tell because the olympics should be above this but it's a weird time the first flight of casey dawson's dawson's journey a speed skater for the u.s olympic team left salt lake city utah around 8 a.m on sunday that was around 10 a.m. in Atlanta, where he traveled first, or 4 p.m. in Paris, where he had to switch planes, or 11 p.m. in Beijing, where he was scheduled to race in 44 hours. He said, I got here this morning and all of my bags were not here. Ooh. That's relevant because those bags were carrying his skates. Given all of that, 
21-year-old Casey Dawson had to skate with a Latvian's borrowed skates Ouch. and finished second to last in his event in Beijing. He had to go take 45 PCR tests to test negative. Got enough negative results on the board plane. 45? 45. Had to take an estimated 45 tests. Why do you have to take 45? Because wow. he had to get back-to-back negative results on COVID. And I don't know so why they he didn't give... false positives or something? Yes. Okay. Yep. And then he went to 11,343 miles around the world and then skated the 1,500 meters at the National Speed Skating Oval and finished second to last wow. with borrowed skates. Can you imagine putting all that time, all that energy, all your your life into yep. that moment and you don't have your skate show up that's terrible isn't it it's terrible and the other i don't know if you read the article yesterday have you seen with some of the athletes that are testing positive the conditions that they've been in oh man it's terrible it's awful yeah by the way he needed four negatives in a row so he thought he would only need two taken 24 hours apart in order to travel per guidelines in the pandemic playbooks released by Beijing organizers, but the U.S. Olympic Committee and the Paralympic Committee told him he would actually need four negatives in a row, and that's why he had to take 45 tests to come up with four in a row. There's a, uh, and I can't remember the athlete from the country, but she essentially was chronicling, I think it was on Instagram, her experience of testing positive and then what it's been like in the living conditions that they've been given for the athletes to test positive in like the quote-unquote COVID hotel and uh, those living conditions are, are not great. Non-edible food, terrible facility and to, apparently to the sleep food in. is the same thing for every single meal. Yeah. Awful. And it doesn't Awful. look great. No. Yeah. It's something that should be better for the, Olympians. Uh, and we mentioned it yesterday, the... Uh, you know the concern right now for just the television side is that ratings are down by 43 to 47 percent on a nightly basis for the olympics this year and i know it's not as global but just this is just prepping you these these global um competitions are going to be bad the next world cup is going to be terrible all it's going to be is horror stories one day after another of terrible conditions because again they're playing it in the winter because they're playing it in qatar and it would be too hot to ever play in the summer. So it's going to be bad. They, they, they need to mm. rein in these these worldwide competitions because it's getting out of hand. The Russian biathlete Valeria Vesnova showed a picture of the food and in her saying words, it's like non-edible. Yeah. She said she's at the Olympics. She's at what should be the highlight of her career. She said, I cry every day. I'm very tired. I just want this to end. Yes. And they can't leave per the laws in in china until they test negative so they're stuck in those rooms unreal yeah so that's your killing me smalls on 101 espn coming up what's on tap as we head down the stretch towards tim mckernan and the balloon party on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn Headed down the stretch of this edition of... Can I say something, Randy? Yes, Karakun Small with Danny Mac in for Michelle. I would say from 8.45 Friday to through yesterday, um, you know, I don't want to say the show is dragging because I don't think that, but I was nervous because you were upset over our clock. And then today it just flew. I don't know. Something about today. Just It was flying today. That's because we haven't been on the clock at all. Is that right? No, we have have we stayed on clock? Well, it's 9.51. Yeah. We're a little late. 
Pretty much. Yeah, we've uh, had, Matthew. We, we've had a little bit of a we hit a little bit of a bump, but we've been riding that bump okay. consistently since then, which I I count as a win. All right. Okay, I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, a uh, couple Randy. of things, no problem. Number one, Aeneas Williams will join us tomorrow, awesome. I believe, Hall of Famer. wonder if he'll be in a good mood. <laughs> yeah, you wonder. Uh, <laughs> I don't he's, think he's ever been in a bad mood. No, I don't think so. And Jock Peterson tweeted, should MLB start doing jersey swaps post-game like NFL players do? Well, we saw Albert and uh, Yachty do that. We did. Albert came through with the Angels. We weren't sure if we'd ever see him again, but then he came back with the Dodgers. I like that. I, I, I see no problem with that. Um, you know, it's the fraternization of the sport, which some people do not like, but those days have come and gone. Guys are, if you're ever to the ballpark early, you always see guys, you know, right behind second base. They're mm-hmm. stretching, running. They're glad hand. And a lot of these guys share the same agent, so they talk. And, and if, you know. if if ownership doesn't <clears throat> like it, they should cancel the World Baseball Classic. Well, that's another point to be made when Javi <laughs> Baez and Yachty are on the same team. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I got no problem with that. I think it's kind of cool. But here's the thing, though, Randy, is a lot of that stuff happens behind the scenes anyway. You know, there'll be uh, player X will be in cl- the other clubhouse and ask for player Y, hey, would he send over a signed bat? Do you mind them personalizing a bat to me? And they'll send a, a clubhouse attendant over to, you know, ask or retrieve it and say, hey, it's for this guy. And the, the player probably nine times out of 10 or 10 out of 10 says, sure, no problem. Here it is. Boom, 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 boom. Now, it's not that they're meeting, but they do collect the memorabilia of each other. Right. And, and it have, happens all the time. Yeah, I, I have no problem with that. Dan, we mentioned earlier <clears> in the show <throat> that the Blues have signed extensions for Logan Brown and for uh, the defenseman Robert Bortuzzo. It's just in. Pat Maroon has signed a new two-year extension with wow. the Lightning. Two years? Yep. T- through the 23-24 season. Good for him. How about Patty? Isn't that amazing? Three cups. So hometown hero, one of the most famous goals in, in Blues history, and, and just keeps on rolling. He's going to spend five years with the Lightning. And he's already won a couple of cups. Um, wow. And what was the deal? Do you have uh, any idea? What Let me go- uh, uh, one year AAV. So, uh, so two years, two million. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. So pretty Good impressive. For him. You know, I, I my understanding was that he was already starting to talk about his post playing career and would like to do some media. He wanted but, to work with uh, Timmy yeah. Mac. So um I guess it's gonna be on hold for a couple of years. He almost I mean, they they almost started doing stuff before he signed, you know, with uh Tampa Bay and he's like, I'll take another shot at it. I'll do one more year. <laughs> I love it. He's gonna he... play four years, win at least two more cups. How about when he shows up at the rink and he's got those great suits and he's just a big hulking man comes in. He's one of the great talkers on the ice. Yeah. He's hilarious. I will never shrug my shoulders and go, uh, oh, all right, and end up in a, in a better situation than winning two, two Stanley Cups. That's awesome. just amazing. And he's a good dude. That I mean, too. it's it's awesome. I told you the story. We were in the 2019 season. We had a suite, and uh, Patty's brother came up and said, hey, Patty's probably going to gonna fight right off the bat. And they were bad at that point. That last place mm-hmm. or really close to it. And he said, you know, the amazing thing is that he's got broken ribs and he's going to drop the gloves in the first five minutes because he needs to set the tone tonight. That's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. I wonder if in his heart of hearts, Army regrets not bringing him back. Remember what we were talking about, though, earlier where you turned the page? Yeah. And that might be one of those. You know, how tough was it for him to – I would assume. I mean, Army's a human being. I mean, it had to be tough to say goodbye to David Backus. Mm-hmm. Had to be very tough to say goodbye to your captain, who signs <clears throat> and goes to Vegas. And a guy like Patty Maroon, who was kind of a glue guy, certainly on that team, and and 
meant so much and does mean so much to this community to say goodbye to him. But sometimes you got to shake it up to to keep it moving. And it'll never be better. Even if they would have won another Stanley Cup, it'll never be better than what he did to bring the Blues their first Stanley Cup in 2018-2019. Scoring the I don't the know. Winning series, that next one would be pretty good, too. Right? Scoring <laughs> that winning goal against Dallas yeah, and being yeah. the star that he was and telling the Bruins bench you're blanked. I mean... Yeah, the second one would be great, but it could never be better than that first one. Here's a question for you. You ready for it? Ready. Okay. Iconic photo, certainly seeing Bobby Orr flying through the air against the Blues, scoring the game-winning goal in the, the Cup Finals. Might be the most iconic photo we've had in St. Louis hockey, even yep. though it was on the, the, the losing end. I don't know if there's a more iconic photo than Pat Maroon and... Um, ben Bishop and Ben Bishop with the St. Louis flag flying behind him, and those two awesome. together, you know, I get goosebumps. But the ceremonial handshake after Game Seven, it, it's it just it, it it to me it embodies so much mm-hmm. of how hockey to, is just taken on a different realm here in St. Louis. Yeah. All started in many ways by Brett Hall getting young kids to ice rinks and and interested more than just being a casual fan. And and those guys are kind of the graduates of that era. And there you have two of the prominent players of that game. I mean, Ben Bishop was awesome yeah. in games. He was fantastic. Yep. And to see that iconic photo, I'm not sure there's a more iconic photo in hockey around here. Would, would you agree with that? I, I agree. And I asked Panger about that when Bishop retired, and he said, well, Pat likes it a lot more than Ben does. I'm sure he does. <laughs> I see Ben every once in a while. He is such a good guy. He's one of the all-time yeah. greats. So yep. I was just thinking about that. This was a good show. Matt Rocchio, our producer engineer, getting things going. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. And Daniel, we'll do it again tomorrow. You got it. Thanks, Randy. Tomorrow is hump day here on 101 ESPN. Looking forward to that. Yes, sir. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack, and with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lecvio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lecvio. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.